Welcome to the Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. Thank you for joining us for this very first group game of the Chaos Plan. Hopefully we will be able to get more of these released very soon. However, they will be exclusive to our Patreon account until we hit the $65 a month mark on Patreon, at which point we will make the Chaos Plan its own channel. So if you would like to hear more group games and everything else, please visit our Patreon account. Uh, sign up for just a dollar. That will not only get you access to all of the Chaos Plan games, but also allow you to actually play with us. And we would love to have you there. So we really hope you enjoy this first game. It was a ton of fun. We made some rules up on the fly that are going to stick and experimented a little bit with how we were going to run this. I do believe it turned out very, very well, and I hope that you all see that as well. Also, forgive a little bit of the background noise. My daughters decided to be very, very helpful in assisting me with DMing. So I apologize a little bit for that noise, but it adds a little bit of flavor to the game. So thank you all very, very much, and we hope you enjoy. So you guys, um, Barnaby and Klein, you guys uh, were summoned from your rooms to come down to the portal. It was time. Something is up. And it's time for you guys to spread your wings and fly. So you go down into the... I don't have the fly spell yet. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. So you follow the little animal messenger, a little ferret, down into the main portal area of the Mages Guild. And you see that there are a whole plethora of individuals standing around you. You're kind of off a little bit to yourselves, as many of the groups here are already kind of together as a group. Uh, so you kind of take up a spot kind of towards the back of the room with some of the other individuals who don't really know each other. Um, you do see your gnome friend, uh, Danderbin. You do see him standing kind of off a little bit and uh, you guys join up. Danderbin, uh, you would have been harassed a little bit about uh, other people having to take care of Ladybug while you're gone. It freaks out a lot of the stable hands, but uh, they're willing to do the work. Or would you have brought Ladybug with you? Oh, man. Um, she could totally come with. I don't want her to get injured. Yeah. So would you leave her then at the stables? Yes, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. It took you a little while longer than you thought to get here because of all of the trees that lined the way. You had to say hello to every last one of them. The compulsion to do so was a little bit lesser uh, than it was the day before. Um, so you three meet up and are just kind of chit-chatting back and forth. You see all the grave-robed uh, sages around you are slowly starting to pull adventures together and suggest groupings and whatnot. Fim and Thorun, you would have been greeted by a very familiar tiefling woman, Namira, who groups you with these three individuals. You vaguely recognize them, having seen them around town. Uh, she groups you with these two gnomes, uh, both one very old and uh, kind of mischievous looking. The other one looks like an explorer would look very, very decked out. Not necessarily in weapons and whatnot, but definitely looks like he's used to climbing into catacombs and crypts. 
and a large, tall, human-ish looking individual with, I uh, believe your eyes are glowing yellow, correct, Micah? Green. Green. Uh, along with a taller human that's green, glowing eyes, you remember seeing at one place or another. She groups uh, the five of you up and says, we will be departing hopefully here in the next 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, We suggest that you take this time to introduce yourselves to each other, and then we will tell you what all is going to happen. You will be traveling as a group. Uh, You will need to stay near one one another, and we do suggest you choose one person to take a little bit of a lead on what's going on. Uh, And she pulls out a bell from a pouch on her side. She says, this is a return bell. One of you will carry it, and should the need arise and your lives are in great peril, you should ring this bell for about six seconds, a solid six to ten seconds, and everybody within ten feet of you will all be teleported back to this location. Uh, we do say, once again, that everybody needs to be within that, that circular area uh, to not leave anybody behind, but this will bring you back should anything dire happen. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand. Uh, th- does that include anything that might be assailing us? Yes. However, when you do return here, as you can see, she points to all the gray-robed individuals around her, several of them holding weapons that you have only heard about in Legend, uh, including one that looks very similar to a buster sword that you remember from a video game. Oh, God, it was so long ago you can barely remember. Um, But a very large buster sword. Uh, So you're pretty safe, you believe, uh, should you return with enemies in tow. So she hands uh, Klein, uh, since you spoke up, um, she hands you the bell and says, all right, I will let you guys decide amongst yourselves and introduce yourselves. Uh, Let's hope for a very successful trip. And she wanders off to help out one of the other. I'll look over at Barnaby, and I'll be like, Hello, sir. My name is Kleinenstern. Uh, Pleased to make your acquaintance, Barnaby Hardcastle, the third. <laughs> oh, God. And the satyr pokes his head around the... Uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're totally fine. Even though you said your name, it, it, it wasn't exactly 100% real. It wasn't a formal introduction. You were kind of joking around a little bit, so you're you're safe with your true name. <laughs> For now. <laughs> For now. <laughs> Alright, so I'll start off. Uh, my name is Kleinenstern. Um, I will be handling ranged magical DPS for this raid. What's DPS? <laughs> I'm the blaster. <laughs> Alright. Well, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna, like I said, I'll, I'll be taking on the role of the laser rifle. We never did get a hold of this. <laughs> I want to see this. That was really cool. <laughs> so anyway, I'm Barnaby Hardcastle. I'm an explorer, archaeologist, professor, and lady man. I'll do what I can to keep everyone safe inside tombs and uh, avoid traps, and uh, hopefully not get everyone killed this time. Wait, this time? <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. So, remember that talk we were supposed to have? Uh-huh. It just got longer. <laughs> That's what she said. 
Hi, my name is uh, Dandabin, but you can call me Dandy. I am uh, the explorer, navigator, ladies' man. Hi, Kyle. You see a very, very old, arming man, mostly bald, a little bit chubby. Like, I'm afraid that if I blow on him, he'll just wither into dust and drift away. I'll be the navigator for this. I accept your navigational expertise as uh, I don't know my way around here very well. He does seem to know everything else, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I am Thorun Bronzebeard of the Clan Bronzebeard. Uh, I am very much a blacksmith. Uh, however, I am a, a very well-trained warrior, and uh, I have no problem destroying anything that gets in our way. Uh, so basically, I am a monk. Uh, uh, I have the Sword Sage, so I use my key points to use combat maneuvers, like the Battle Master Fighter. Uh, and so, yeah, it's pretty much how my character works. He's just a crazy ass monk with combat maneuvers. Uh, uh, a pathfinder to the Aravale clan. I'm simply here to observe, to uh, explore, discover, uh, perhaps play diplomat if I have to, and keep at least 20 feet back from the party at all times. <laughs> um, I'm playing a rogue scout and will be representing actual uh, material from the I would uh, say to Thorin, I'd say, um, in terms of uh, saying you're going to uh, destroy anything that comes in our way, you're not exactly talking about uh, things, are you? Uh, things? No. Creatures? Possibly. Uh, uh-huh. the only thing is, uh, the only thing I won't do is if someone surrenders, then it is my honor, it is honor bound that I let them live. Unless they uh, just try, try to uh, prestige the honor that uh, I present them at that point, uh, wow. all's fair. What if it's like a particularly aggressive child? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it gets in our way, and it, uh, I do have mercy and honor. Uh, you can see from looking at Thorun. Uh, uh, very much, his armor is very, or his clothing, he doesn't wear armor for the most part, uh, but his clothing is fine, but very loose, uh, for moving around, uh, but you see a lot of clan and symbolism, uh, like his beard is finely braided, uh, and has a clasp with his, uh, family clan, uh, on the clasp and whatnot, uh, his hair is pulled back, uh, out of his eyes, kind of a deal, so he's very much presenting himself as someone with honor and somewhat nobility, but you also see that he's ready to rumble if something comes if something comes our way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Yeah, I'd say um, so. Uh, just give everyone proper warning. Uh, my character is looks mostly human-ish. The 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 the, the main difference is. Uh, I look like someone just kind of like desaturated most of my colors 
my skin is very like grayish. Uh, my hair looks like it might have been red at one point in time, but like someone dropped a bunch of powdery dust all over it. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> you'll notice as I cast my spells, they don't look quite right. In the, in that uh, they look like well, if it, to to reference Mike and I's adventure, we encountered a shopkeeper who who looked a little bit too human. My spells will look almost too perfect. Like they they'll they'll have they'll look like they were recreated from memory as far as what they're supposed to look like. So a scorching ray, you'll be able to tell it's a scorching ray, but it won't look like what you would actually expect out of it. Okay. So honestly, Mike, you you, you would out out of game. All of my spells will look ripped from a video game. Gotcha. That's awesome. Plus, of um, since I'm a halfling, do does my lucky trait like checks at all? Uh, lucky. Oh no. Uh, luck. Uh, the luck stat uh, won't really play into. Um, are you talking about my luck stat or the lucky feat of a halfling? Yeah, would would that have any effect on the luck stat? Uh, n- actually, yeah, it would because it would technically be a nat one. So if you roll a nat one on a luck check, you would then re-roll it. Yes. Oh, Bob, I actually have a similar feature in the form of my galactic luck. It actually functions exactly the same way. Okay, yeah, then if I call for a luck roll and you roll a one, re-roll it as you would anything else. Okay, um, so after you guys have introduced yourselves and get a little bit more comfortable with each other, you see the um, Nemera comes back up and she pulls out a scroll uh, and she holds it out and on the paper she says, this is just a very simple uh, contract uh, between all of you here that just says that you aren't willingly coming in here to harm one another and that you pledge to do your best to attempt to make sure each other gets back safe and sound. And as she holds this out, you can feel a little bit of an electric charge around you, a little bit of a magical charge. You see the same thing happening to other groups and um, you find it very hard to um, think of anything untrue to even like uh, Danderbin who is very sarcastic and likes to make tons of jokes and all of that kind of stuff you even get a little bit more of a serious vibe out of this um, you, you find that you while you can think of jokes and silly things to say you don't really want to say them so anybody that wants to try and resist this zone of truth effect go ahead and roll the check now um, otherwise uh, if you all are totally fine with this zone of truth effect happening um, and pledge to take care of one another and make sure each other gets back safe and sound, if possible, um, you all just have to hold out and uh, put your thumb, uh, thumbprint kind of a thing on the scroll. I, Barnaby Hardcastle, do solemnly swear to do my best to take care of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> he said y'all. I did say y'all. I apologize. <laughs> Indiana Gnome from the South. Indiana, I will. I will. I will hold up my hand in a very uh, odd gesture to everyone as I uh, say that I will do my best to make sure everyone comes home safely. Scouts honor. <laughs> That's what I was hoping you'd say. Uh, I'll just press my thumb to the contract and say, uh, "Did her 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. I put my hand, I put my thumb on it. Uh, just kind of nod. Okay. Okay. Uh, the contract then clicks. You feel that that effect uh, dissipate, um, which is a great relief to you, Danderbin. Uh, you've been holding in so many sarcastic uh, comments. Um, but you are then able to uh, uh, turn your attention back towards the room at large. Uh, one individual mage um, murmurs to himself and all of a sudden enlarges. He becomes much larger and flies into the air a little bit and uh, says, May I have your attention, everyone? I would like to let you know that this is a wonderful celebratory uh, situation that we are in right now. We are inducting many of you into the Portal Network as first-time explorers and adventurers in this. We would like to let you know that we do not intentionally intend to send any of you to anywhere harmful, though there may be dangers on the other side of the portal. There may not. Uh, anything could happen in this chaotic time. Many of the adventures and portal places that have been uh, discovered in the last few weeks have been very closely turned, uh, uh, very closely tied to the elements of earth and fire. So anything from a dragon to a desert could be found here very easily. Um, you never know what exactly is going to pop up. And you see there's, you know, a little bit of distraught room mumbling and murmuring about a red dragon, you know, about dragons and some of them talking about the rumors that they've heard. Um, he says, I don't want any of you to worry, though. If you do not wish to go through the portal today, you can come back at any point now that you have sealed that contract with the group that you are currently in and be more than easily able to jump in at any point. Uh, you can also, if you would like, uh, expand this and include it in either a guild of your forming or in a party name that will be tied to. So if you do add new members later on down the road, you can add them in very easily so you don't have to go through all of the ritual and ceremony of this first jump. So with that in mind, we will go ahead and begin the queue and people will, uh, and please uh, enter individually, keep clear of the north side as that is where individuals will be returning and depending on whose dragon lair you jump into, many of these groups will be returning almost immediately. And if there are any questions, just find one of us gray robes and we would be more than happy to assist you. And he floats back down, releasing both spells um, before answering questions and whatnot. So, is there anything that you guys would like to do last second prep before um, the queue begins lining up? I'm not going to lie, Bob. Uh, the entire time he was, you know, kind of like talking through that, I will have just been humming the, the pomp and circumstance, you know, graduation <laughs> theme. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'd whisper to uh, a um, Oh, this talk of dragons and portals, I thought this was an AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about adventuring anonymous. Um, yeah, it's like, oh, so I'm okay with the flask. <laughs> <laughs> you do see the occasional um, individual pull from a flask um, before stepping into the portal with a flash and a glow. You know, actually, Anderson, I'm a founding member of AA here. Adventures for Archaeologists today. <laughs> There's too many, acronyms. too many acronyms. 
Okay, um, as your place in queue is starting to get closer, uh, you see an individual uh, galloping extremely quickly uh, on a horse. The horse is definitely run down, frothing from the mouth, um, almost ready to collapse. You see this individual got to leap off the horse and come running into the Mage's Guild, which, of course, draws a lot of a stir. Um, uh, because this is, doesn't really happen. And he says, I, I need I need some help. Uh, somebody knows magic. I, I'm mage. Uh, and kind of mumbling nonsensically. And uh, They're all over the place here. Yeah. You see several of the gray robes converge, and the entire room goes silent. Even the queue kind of slows down a little bit as people are looking to see what's going on. Uh, he says, something is is happening. A village disappeared up near the far site tower. It's it's just gone. Uh, the the silver the silver leaf uh, orchard. Uh, it just it's, something is happening. We had, uh, scouts have disappeared. I have no idea what's going on. Um, would you guys approach this individual, or would you um, just kind of leave him to mumble? Uh, Thorun, you would have uh, identified this as the same rumor that you heard earlier about something strange going on um, up near that tower. Yeah, I would I kind of squint, like, you know, more focused on what's happening. And then I'd mention quietly uh, to the group that uh, I overheard that something was going on in the Northeast uh, yesterday uh, about some orchard in the dispute among land or something along those lines. I wonder if that's what they're talking about. And I'll just, I'll just be like, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> I, I observe intently. Yeah, you hear him over say something about we'll hire we'll hire anybody two hundred gold apiece. I I don't care. We have to find it. Something is going on. There's fortunes to be made. I was like oh, thinking about that. I'm like th- thinking about the uh, the that that bead of, of store summoning in my pocket. I'm like I'm listening. Uh, do you actually say I'm listening to the uh, guy? Yeah. Okay. He said. He kind of uh, breaks uh, through the uh, the line of the gray robes, and he says, uh, "We're hi- we we need somebody to come find what has happened to Silverleaf. Uh, my my uh, employer has just purchased a village up uh, near this orchard uh, called the Silverleaf Village, and it's it's the, the actual trees, the orchard." Uh, it produces leaves of silver, of real silver. It's the only thing of its kind. Uh, it's up near the village of Long Saddle, uh, right, right near the Farsight Tower. We just need somebody to go up there and figure out what happened. We uh, we sent a scout ahead, but he hasn't returned. Uh, the family is extremely wealthy. The the Harple family. Uh, uh, Tristan is the, the 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 one who you need to talk to. Uh, just go there. Uh, uh, he will explain everything. I'll I'll look at the the, the rest of the group and be like, anyone else feeling like uh, doing a little Scooby-Doo action? As per usual, I understand from context, but have no clue what he's talking about. (laughs) Uh, Now, are we given through this portal? Were we actually given, like, a required mission? Or are we... Can we walk away from what we're headed to right now in order to do something else? Yeah, this was more just the initiation. So once you sign that contract, you can come back at any time and use the portal. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then we're not looking at breaking any any contracts or getting in trouble with the guild. Then uh, I would have no reason to say no. Sounds interesting. A tree that grows silver? That's definitely something I'd like to see. Okay. Anybody else have input? The only thought is if it's an entire town, it's not going anywhere. They're going to always go through this. Yeah, clearly it has. Whatever you guys want to do. 
I've not myself awfully experienced with much of these issues, but I will lend help in whatever way I, I possibly can. The, the payment isn't necessary. That's fine, I'll take your share. say, we can split it. I have to save up to change my name. Uh, you were saying, Miss Fimdir? Uh, no, I... Yes, please. Um, we, we should make preparations then if we're planning on assisting. Uh, yeah, he says uh, the the Harple family has several horses uh, that they keep in the stables here for for use if anything is needed. Uh, all you have to do is just uh, take one. It's it's a two day journey um, up to there, but but with the horses you can get to it probably by nightfall if you run them hard enough. Um, the, the, you'll be the, don't worry about the health of the horses. I'm going to immediately take this one uh, over to the druids to get it assistance. Uh, the same will happen when you get up to up to uh, Long Saddle as well. The, the the family keeps many horses on hand just in case of, of dire situations. You never know. They're all powerful mages, and who knows what goes on with mages. All right, I'll, uh, if everyone is uh, ready for a trip, I will pat Danderbin on the back and say, lead the way, Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but I will say <laughs> Okay. I recognize the language. <laughs> yeah. Danderbin, would you grab Ladybug and use her as a mount instead of the uh, forces, or would you leave Ladybug here? I'd take Ladybug, definitely. Okay. So then you guys all convene um, in the, let's see, in the East Gate, and uh, you guys are able to, with a very hard push with your animals, you are able to go past the Crossroads Fort uh, up towards the northern farms, and you approach um, the far site tower, and it is getting to be evening time, um, not yet dark. You have probably a couple hours until then, but uh, it, you can definitely see the sun getting low on the horizon. Um, so what would you guys do upon entering uh, the town of Long Sap? Um, it Nothing that out of the ordinary appears to be happening. Uh, it appears to be a mark, I mean, not out of the ordinary as in disaster, um, but it does appear to be a uh, market day uh, in Long Saddle, where everything is kind of friendly and festive. Um, so it's market day in Long Saddle, and there's a friendly, almost festive atmosphere. People from miles around have walked or ridden into the village to shop for supplies and chat with old friends. Stalls offering meat, furs, and farming tools line the walls, while a group of children laugh and dance their way around a bronze statue of a robed figure wearing an expression of extreme self-satisfaction. As you pass through the crowd, however... A metallic grinding noise cuts through the happy hubbub as the statue's head swirls to look at you. The bronze face starts to move, and after a few experimental mumbles, a young man's voice rings out. Uh, can you help me? Uh, no, not not, not the locals. Children, shoo, shoo, shoo. Uh, the ones with the swords and armor and stuff. Uh, the giant spider. Yes, yes, you guys. Good. Um, I, I, by which I am Tristan Harple. I, I'm sure you, you heard from my associate. I'm, I'm not my great uncle uh, Humphrey here, and he kind of gestures to the statue. Um, 
I have need for someone, for some folks of your type. Um, I, I'm sure you've already heard, but uh, uh, I, I, you guys surely uh, are here for the payment. Uh, not just some little bit of payment. I will gladly pay you 200 gold pieces apiece. Now, I, I know you have questions, but the, the Harples are not in the habit of discussing business in public, so I, I can't answer any here, not with all the locals around. Uh, my colleague, Carter, uh, Carter, he should be with you momentarily. Uh, I supplied him with all the information that you could possibly want. Uh, oh, oh, there he is now. And you see the head raises skyward, and uh, a, and the silence that has fallen you, uh, you can hear kind of the soft flapping noise. And a small figure uh, is descending on the breeze, uh, correcting its course. It flicks with two thin wings. As it gets closer, you realize it's not a bird, but rather a construction of folded paper. With a flurry of wing beats, it comes to a stop in the air just above you before folding itself up. It drops, and one of you reflect, reflexively grabs it. In your hands now, you hold what looks like a battered old map with cartographical assistant relief terrain range stenciled on the cover. Uh, there you go. Anyway, uh, I need to get the statue back in the right pose, or great Uncle Comfrey will be frightfully grumpy with me. Uh, a toodaloo! And with that, the head swivels back into its original position, and once again adopts the self-satisfied expression as silence falls over the square. Um, I will defer to our navigational expert when it comes to issues of cartography and map reading. I have many I, questions, and I feel like I'm not going to answer any of them in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know how you get a statue that moves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so then who would take uh, Carter, the folded the paper? What, yeah, you read. About, yeah, you. Ben seems to be the the navigational expert, and I feel like that's probably the way to go. Okay, Danderbin, you Let's open. Yes, you open up the map and the molded. Yes, you open up the map and the modeled brown pages uh, appear to be completely blank. But as you kind of look at it for a second, the letters begin to appear on the surface. It says, "Hello, friends. I am Cartographical Assistant Relief Terrain Range, though you may call me Carter." Uh, if it's easier, I'm here to help you as much as I can. So ask me anything you wish. I have several. Ask him about Hocrux's. <laughs> I pulled it up and. <laughs> okay, so would you guys ask the map anything, or are you just going to fold it up and put it away? <laughs> I'm fresh out of questions to ask a map. <laughs> like, open it um, once more and then, like, close my eyes. That's what I do. Okay, uh, everybody else that's looking around it, um, it says, Oh, hello there again. Uh, I seem to have been folded for a moment. Uh, I believe you need to go to Silverleaf, and, and a map begins to appear with directions to the Silverleaf, uh, to Silverleaf itself. Oh, sweet. Google Maps. That's convenient. <laughs> Google Maps. <laughs> Can you go for its accuracy? It could be Apple Maps. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull out my compass and set my heart to finding Silverleaf, and then see if the compass will sway in that direction. No, it lines up exactly with where you believe the map points. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell because of how crazy the town is, but um, you believe it's pointing pretty much exactly where. Uh, the road winds just a little bit, 
Um, but judging from the direct, the most exact route, um, it looks like it lines up pretty darn close. Ooh, this way, everybody. Um, Carter, can you do anything besides be a map? Uh, I can give you any kind of information that you need. Uh, as a matter of fact, Tristan has uh, it told me to explain to you everything about the situation that's currently happening. Well, I, uh, can you explain while we walk? Uh, yes, not a problem. It, it, this isn't actually being spoken. Words are appearing on the map, um, responding to your your verbal questions. Words appear um, on this parchment or on this large map type thing. Splendid. Um, let, uh, if, if, unless there's anything we need in town, I suggest we get a move on. The quicker we finish up, the quicker we get paid, the quicker we can go home and on to new adventure. <laughs> Okay, does everybody follow along? Yes. Out of character, yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. So then you guys um, begin following along, and you guys take turns uh, reading the messages from Carter because it is a couple-hour journey. Um, The sun will have been getting very, very close to being setting um, by the time you get there. But uh, Carter explains that uh, Tristan recently purchased the deeds to a village named Silverleaf. Um, And his longtime rival and occasional girlfriend, uh, Freya Doomstaff, uh, is kind of out for, not out for blood, but definitely something strange is going on there. She was very much against him buying this and is known to be very spiteful. And something has happened, and they sent a, a servant... Uh, Darek uh, Dunhill to go investigate uh, what's going on with the village because it hasn't no, nobody's heard from the village in like three weeks and so they sent Darek to go investigate and Darek disappeared as well um, they become very very worried and concerned as the purchase has gone through technically but nobody has heard from the village since the, the agreement was signed. Um, nobody knows what's happened. And that's basically the long and the short of it. I will ask Carter if the contract was written up by the bank. Uh, no, it was written up. As a matter of fact, they um, had to bring in an individual from the Merchants Guild um, from Port City itself to make sure that this is 100% kosher. Uh, and ready to go because the land is still technically owned by um, some of the more powerful lords. So they they wanted it to be 100% um, set in stone. On the off chance that it's just weird lack of communication, what could we expect to find in the village? Uh, Well, the village originally comprised of an orchard, of obviously, of silver trees. And uh, there was, of course, a village there uh, with all sorts of workers that used to harvest these uh, trees. Uh, there's a kind of a large meeting table in the middle of the uh, orchard where um, the numbers were kept on what was being brought in and whatnot. Uh, a lot of times the workers would uh, pretty much spend the whole day there um, bringing meals with them. Uh, there's a small stream that cuts through the middle of the orchard. Uh, there is a bridge that goes across it. Um, they tried to keep it all in very good shape. Um, but since they haven't heard from it in weeks, uh, there could be downed branches or um, neglect, you know, signs of neglect and whatnot. They, 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 he doesn't know any of the specifics other than what was there three or four weeks ago. 
excellent, I think. <laughs> okay, so then anything else before you guys actually enter into Silverleaf itself? Um, you said the village was owned by a number of lords. Uh, owned by uh, one of the lords, yes. Do we happen to know anything about this lord? Uh, he would have been just one of the large landowners. Um, pretty much cut and dry. Nothing shady or crazy about him. Uh, it was an investment-type property, and uh, the right person ended up wanting to buy it at the right price, and so he sold it. Um, nothing else really of note about him. And who owned it before him? Uh, probably, it doesn't specify in here, but it probably would have just kind of been up for grabs. Uh, probably just owned by whoever was inhabiting the land at that point. It's close enough to the Farsight Tower that most mundane individuals would want to get near it, um, because the, it, the Farsight Tower is kind of a place of very powerful divination magic, um, so it makes people a little bit nervous uh, living that close to magical spies, for lack of a better term. Hmm. I just feel that, that, you know, there might be strange things are afoot. Uh, I'd say we, we head in and head towards the village and look around and see if we can't, uh, you know, kick over a couple rocks. I do have a question. Yes. Personally. Um, Carter had mentioned that I forget the name, but uh, the girlfriend, uh, the occasional girlfriend slash longtime rival, yes, was also was she was against him purchasing it a little uh, bit, yeah. Is she is she local? Could we speak to her? Uh, she lived in Silverleaf, yes. Oh, okay, so she would have disappeared with the rest of the town. As far as everybody knows, um, Freya signed a magically buying contract as part of the deal to um, not get in the way of this purchase because she was kind of the rival for it. Um, but Tristan is a little bit suspicious that she may have tricked him because she is very spiteful and has a way of getting around. She, give, giving her word. She has a way of getting around promises. Yeah. Is she Faye? She is not, no. She is a <laughs> magic user, uh, a mage, as the Harples being a mage family doesn't have a lot to do with people who aren't other mages. Which is probably why dude rode to the Mage's Guild to ask for help. Yeah. Does anyone have a deerstalker hat and a pipe? No, I don't. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Thorin, are you actually like Lord or something? Uh, kind of? Uh, uh, where I am from, there is a king, uh, and then... Noble families. I guess you could say I'm part of one of them. I win so much no, money from being poor. See you as sir or something along those lines. Foreign is fine, thank you. Very good, sir. You can call me Sir Dandy if you like. <laughs> if that is what you wish. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, there goes my idea for calling you Mr. Bin. No, no, you can call me Dandy. Fine, but... Thorin, if you please, call me Sir. Oh, Dandy. you guys are very short. It's just a good... A lot of you are very short. Well, we've got a oh. short dwarf, a short halfling, and a short gnome, 
and I'm like 6'2". Oh, except for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not super short. Ah, <laughs> uh, never mind, I'm 4'8". <laughs> <laughs> I'm not super short. I just picture you like, kind of, you know, standing up straight, maybe getting a little hitch in here. Just edging yourself up. I'm not that short. <laughs> you just, you just bend over. It's like, oh, it's okay. You're not short people have their qualities. And <laughs> you, you're adorable. You don't, don't change. Yeah. Alright, uh, so then, anything else you guys would ask Carter before we get into the actual Silverleaf town itself, or no? Um, they mentioned rumors uh, surrounding Silverleaf. Anything beyond, you know, that it just suddenly disappeared and no one knows why? Is there, are there any other, like, folk tales or... No, um, the natives basically would have been uh, mostly elves in this area cultivating these very unique trees. But other than that, uh, nothing really of note. Uh, and they're just... Nobody's heard from the town uh, in about a month. It's, it's like everybody just disappeared. We used to get anomalies a lot uh, back in the Tangle when it came to random portals and anomalies. Uh, was there anything like that occurring here? Not that you know of. Um, from what you've heard, the portals are pretty much just restricted to the Mages Guild and the actual portal itself. Otherwise, there's the standard teleportation circles. But uh, random ones don't usually pop up out of nowhere. Hmm. Okay, then. Anything else before we enter into Silverleaf? We will go ahead then and uh, kind of start with this. So, the journey to Silverleaf leads you up into the hills and through wild, beautiful woods. Carter guides you cheerfully and efficiently, pointing out good places to camp uh, and where you can find the most spectacular views. Finally, you crest a tall hill and you spot the village. Maybe a score maybe a score or so of houses nestled in the valley below. And even from a distance you can see the shimmering gleam of the celebrated orchard. Um, quick question, Bob. Yes. Uh, by the time we got on our way to Silverleaf proper, was it nighttime yet? Uh, it would be dusk right now. You can see the the red and orange hues of uh, on the horizon. I will as we're walking when, whenever we, I, I get a chance, um, ask Carter and the other individuals around. Tell me a little bit about the constellations. Okay, yeah, Carter would um, just describe the general knowledge. He would say, because we're in kind of a secluded valley here, um, it is very dark, and so it's an excellent place to view the stars from here. Um, and he just kind of gives you general uh, lore about how the constellations are um, the realm of the gods, um, but with the portal network, nobody knows if we're actually landing on some of those stars out there, um, exactly what's going on. Um, so he just kind of gives a general lore-keeping thing. He does say, um, now that you mention it, that uh, if you guys do want to wait until morning, um, there is an excellent spot to camp that is secluded and... Um, and safe last he knew right here on this ridge before you descend into the valley uh, if you want to approach the village at first light. For uh, having ulterior motives, I would be all for camping, not only because it would give us a chance to look around the village 
during the actual light of day where we would be less likely to uh, see anything, but it will give me a couple hours to, um, I won't actually tell anyone else this, to connect with my kinfolk. Okay. Does anybody have a opposition to camping the night and starting in the morning? Nope. Uh, if we do, when we camp, uh, I want to pull out my tool and to start sharpening my weapon and uh, basically work on my stuff and then uh, offer if anyone wants me to sharpen or work on their stuff, I will be more than happy to do it. Um, you know what? I will pull the the uh, rather multicolored stone out of the single gauntlet that I'm wearing on my right hand, just pop it out and uh, ask him if he can, you know, tighten up the straps a little bit on on the gauntlet and uh, wander off and find a good clear spot to look up into the sky. Okay, yeah, yeah. Vir- yeah Virgil, you'd be able to maintain the gauntlet and, and uh, mess with it. And you're talking about your actual rainbow stone, correct? Not the energy yes. thing. Nope. The, okay. the, yep, the 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 actual core that that amplifies my power. Okay. And what were you saying, Lydia? Uh, do you have any opposition to staying or anything like that that you would do? Um, not at all. Um, how far outside the village would this be? Uh, it would be probably another half an hour to forty-five minutes worth of walking. Um, you're kind of on the ridge of this large valley, so you would have to descend into the valley to get to the uh, town from here. Yeah. If, if we decide to camp, which I'm all for, I would love to go scouting in it before returning. Um, you know what? I am going to, uh, also uh, give her a little bit of help. Okay. I will reach, reach into my pocket and pull out a small statue of the most adorable penguin you have ever seen. <laughs> Describe this goddamn penguin. <laughs> is, is this like a cultural thing? Just, you, uh, just wait. Uh, it's it is um uh oh I go to, I don't have the picture on me right now uh the the penguin does not look like a normal penguin it has a slightly oversized head with overly large eyes wearing um the the cutest set of of plate mail with a helmet and holding a sword in his flipper and as I pull it out I will just uh whisper into what appears to be the closest thing resembling an ear that it has and just go, Goodbye! <laughs> <laughs> and it will slowly morph into a an actual penguin. He may and, uh, and then uh, like, uh, I'll tell it to go help her scout and let me know if anything uh, important pops up. I look very concerned. Is this wise? I prefer to move quietly and myself and stealthily I look at the penguin in full plate mail the penguin even though it's wearing full plate mail um, as it begins to waddle the plate mail kind of shifts with it it looks like it is just very decorative leather or vinyl not that that vinyl would be prevalent here it it looks like um, meta speaking what a cosplay style plate mail would look like it is very ineffectual, but um, very adorable, and it may or may not have cost Klein his soul to uh, procure such an item. We're not sure yet. Well, if you want to guilt me into taking it. <laughs> He's very friendly, I think. 
This is the first time I've actually used him. Yeah, he, this is he's the first time. Uh. He he salutes you with a flipper, um, and 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 his foam sword uh, raised high. I like him. Um, of the uh, since you're getting different statue birds, he is one as well. And I pull out my figurine of wondrous power, the silver ray, but summon it and say, uh, "With her." I, I, I'm not here to lead an entire party. This is... My penguin is quite autonomous. It, is, is, just is, feels... is there any cover nearby? Like a tree or a hiding place? Yeah, after you get about... Um, this entire region would be forested, so only the very rim of the um, valley before it descends in would be a kind of bare stone. After that, it's thick brush and trees uh, surrounding this entire area. I would like to find some, like, I look over towards a secluded area, and I misty step towards it. Okay. And hide as my bonus action. Okay, yes, you, you misty step behind a um, tree, and all you guys see, uh, who here has dark vision? I do. Okay. I have uh, activatable, be... <laughs> I have activatable <laughs> heat vision. Uh, that'll be a natural 20 on stealth, so oh. 28. <laughs> if anybody would like to make a perception check, um, DC 30 to, uh, spot, you guys are welcome to. Uh, natural 20. No. I don't, I, I, uh, I'm actually perfect, perfectly okay with him not being, uh... I'm also part of this, um, I'm also in these, um, Brayden to make a wisdom saving... Oh, right. That was a 20 sound. Okay, never mind. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, your penguin... Yeah, I, I want to keep that a secret for now, so moving on. Okay, uh, your penguin, uh, Klein, um, after looking around helplessly uh, for the ranger friend, um, telepathically quacks or whatever into your uh, mind that it will... Uh, keep watch uh, and protect its master so you can rest. And it begins marching um, back and forth uh, around the front of the camp uh, super adorably um, uh, keeping watch for you. I will salute him back and say carry on, soldier! (laughs) Okay. So then you guys... Wander off and do some stargazing. Okay, yes. You are able to commit to memory as close as you're able to the starscape and it is very pretty. Um, as long as nobody lights a campfire, you can see there isn't a single light um, off where you saw the vi- the village earlier. There isn't a single light that you can see. Um, so it is pitch, pitch black. And because you're right on the ridge of that valley and there are no trees in the immediate area, you can see the entire starscape around you. And it is breathtaking. <laughs> okay, what would the rest of you guys be doing? Um, and then Lydia will do yours last since you're doing the scouting. Virgil, I'll you're just main... A... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, Virgil, I'm assuming you're doing the blacksmithing stuff. Um, yeah, I'm just working at the camp, uh, sharpening swords, daggers, working on climbs uh, during uh, uh, gauntlet, uh, just getting everything ready for if for tomorrow. Okay. Brayden, what would you be doing? I will... A silk rope and then uh, kind of unthread the smaller little threads within it, like a system mold, like 
in a way. I'll like thread them between some trees and whatnot and then or anything, I'll just tie it to the foot of my raven, silver raven, and say, if this tugs on your foot, just start screeching. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, so setting up kind of like a little trap type thing with your raven. And just in case anyone walks into the area. Okay, yeah, you place that very effectively. The raven um, flitters up into uh, a very heavily uh, leafed branch of a tree um, with that, that silken cord hanging down. Um to uh, kind of be as inconspicuous as possible. Okay. Um, so then, uh, Lydia, you quietly creep down um, with that natural twine. I'm not going to make you re-roll um, while you're going uh, to the town itself. Um, you approach the town and or village, I guess, because it's just a small um, collection of homes. Uh, go ahead and give me a perception check. And what is your passive perception again? Perception is 18. Okay. And perception is a 20. Okay. Uh, you are very easily able to see that this town is completely dark, um, completely abandoned, basically. Normally, shutters and windows would be closed, um, but they all lie open. Um, you get the whiff of rotted food. Um, not, not death and decay, but definitely spoiled food and uh, whatnot, all kind of coming from these homes. Uh, other than that, they are very um, barren, I guess. And a lot of the gardens and lawns and whatnot out front uh, look overgrown and unkempt and just completely abandoned. So it's not like everyone prepared all their items and left. It's as if they just dropped everything. Basically, yeah. Uh, would you try and scout out the orchard itself, or would you um, stay away from the orchard? It would be further on past the town just a little bit. Um, I'd first like just to examine to see if I can find any signs of recent, uh, any recent travel, if anyone has been through here recently. Okay, and actually, um, I was wrong on that. The uh, orchard lies at the heart of the town. Uh, the town lies around it. So would you kind of go on the outskirts of the orchard, or would you cut across it? Oh, I, I would, I would outskirts. Never go through. Okay, so then just kind of looking around, um, you don't see any footprints or anything like that. Um, when you get too close to a tree near the orchard, but not kind of in the orchard yet, just a mundane tree, uh, you do hear the uh, caw of a raven and some other uh, birds and the small uh, scamper of, like, a rabbit or something um, that you startled. But other than that, it's it's completely silent and abandoned. Okay. I don't think it's going to learn here, so I will start back. Okay. Uh, you head back to the camp, and then do you guys bed down for the night? Sounds good. I, I may have fallen asleep up on the ridge. <laughs> okay. So then, I'll do my uh, four-hour trance. Okay, yes, you trance for four hours. Um, uh, right before dawn, your penguin uh, waddles back over to you, Klein, and uh, wakes you up and uh, says that his time will be ending shortly. If um, you uh, want him to, he will accompany you part of the way down to the village, but then he will have to return to his normal form. I will just... Uh congratulate him with a job well done regret that I do not have a kipper to give him and tell him that uh, 
his service is much appreciated, but uh, he can now have his own rest. Okay. Uh, he pops back into the figurine form, which um, kind of pops up into the air a little bit. You are very easily able to catch it and uh, stow it back away, I'm assuming, correct? Yep. You guys go down into the village itself um, after collecting your camp, making sure your fire is put out because Smokey the Owlbear says only you can prevent forest fireballs. Um, <laughs> and uh, you continue into the village itself. Uh, the report that Fim gave you is 100% accurate. It is abandoned. Um, you guys get the whiff of the spoiled food and everything, and uh, the shutters are still opened. Uh, all the doors are unlocked. Um, it's like everybody went off to work and just disappeared. And that is it. Uh, the orchard lies in the heart of the village. Would you guys uh, enter into the orchard yet, or would you... Um, just kind of scope the area out. What all would you do? Take a look around just to see if I see like any movement of anything other than like a natural creature. No, all you see around you is birds and um, rabbits and the occasional uh, grasshopper or something hopping around. Um, nothing out of the ordinary. I'll um, make some distance between me and the group, not too much, but just enough to observe where they're going and what's immediate surrounding. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you guys, um, would you, like I said, would you actually enter into the orchard itself there if you don't see anything amiss, or what would you oh, guys do? I'll actually cast Detect Magic. Oh, very good. Obviously, for, for this place to have disappeared out of nothingness, there may be some arcane very good idea. Uh, I believe Detect Magic has a range of 30 feet. Um, would you uh, actually go into the orchard itself first, or how close would you get to the um, orchard before uh, casting the Detect Magic spell? I'll start, you know, like a good, you know, 50-some feet away from the orchard. Okay. You know, yeah. I'll just, gonna, just take a look and work my way in. Yeah. As you're working your way uh, closer and closer to the orchard, before you is a sight that takes your breath away. There are only a dozen trees in the orchard, but above each of their thick black trunks, there is a shimmering mass of silver. The morning breeze sends the leaves rippling, and each and every one twinkles with an otherworldly beauty. The orchard itself is maybe 60 foot across and is ringed by a low wall of gray stone. In front of you is a large gate swinging gently in the breeze, through which you can see a gravel path. A wide-brimmed straw hat decorated with a pink ribbon lies discarded in the middle of the path, and off to its left is a rather weather-beaten wicker picnic basket. Somewhere in the trees, a raven caws to itself, but otherwise nothing stirs but the leaves. After a moment, you notice something else. In the very middle of the orchard is a small table, and though it is some distance away, you can see it appears to be a fountain of. Uh, there appears to be a fountain of white sparks rising from its surface. So, as you get closer to the um, walls, uh, as soon as that first tree, you wouldn't quite have passed that, or you wouldn't have gone across that that low wall. But um, throughout the whole orchard, you sense uh, transmutation magic. So, I guess it would be. Basically, everything from that low wall uh, across uh, into the center and to the other side is all covered in transmutation magic. Mm. 
Well, transmutation obviously is used to turn one thing into another. Is this how these trees are growing silver, probably? It's seriously not natural. Um, you do notice that there is not a single tree on the inside of that low wall that is a normal tree. Everything is silver trees. Well, while I don't know exactly what that means, I will relay that to the party. Definitely a little bit out of my element here in the orchard. Uh, you can see the path. You guys would be kind of uh, not on that main path, but you guys would be very near that main path in the village. And you can see that there is a single gate that leads into this area. The wall is not very tall, so you could very easily step over the wall. Maybe a little bit more difficult for our shorter friends, but um, you could get over it pretty easily. Otherwise, there is kind of a little gate um, in the uh, south side as you guys are going through this main road. The gate and pull a steel mirror from my pack out of my head, but I'll put the sort of mirror around the other side of the wall just to make sure there's nothing waiting to ambush us on the other side. Okay, yeah, no, um, yeah, you you look to either side and you don't see anything of note. Uh, do you guys all enter into the orchard? Yeah. Okay. As you guys, uh, enter into the orchard, you begin to feel really strange, like a tight feeling, uh, throughout your bodies, and the world begins to spin around you and all of a sudden, everything goes black. You don't. I am going to. As soon as everything goes black, I will activate my hate sight. Okay, uh, you are actually asleep, basically. You are unconscious momentarily. <sighs> what about me? I can't magically be put to sleep. Oh, uh, this, this would be a. Like. You are being affected by some sort of magic that's hitting you, so you aren't like actually put to sleep it's just momentarily some change is happening and um, everything goes black for just a second so uh, it, it wouldn't necessarily be a magical sleep but you don't know how much time has passed before you stand back up but rather than the gravel path you were on you find yourself lying on what seems to be a wide field of small boulders each one one or two foot wide Green walls of thick foliage rise to your left and right with, with a strange dome-like structure lying a few hundred feet before you. In the distance, you see impossibly huge trees looming up to the sky, topped with silver leaves. A cold sensation runs through your bones as you glance over your shoulder and you see the gate that you just walked through, now the height of a castle tower, and hangs on a wall that would put any fortress to shame. So... Uh, yeah, everybody give me an investigation check. Ooh, I seem to be good at these things. Now that I said that, watch me roll a two. <laughs> for 20. So you guys would very easily be able to deduce that you have been shrunk down big time. We're talking like 160th of your original size. Oh, too short now, Fim dear. <laughs> You've made your point. Okay, so what would you guys do from here, knowing that you are now incredibly short? I would see what happens when I go back through the gate. Okay, you uh, go back through the gate. It takes a while of walking, but you're able to get back through the gate, and absolutely nothing changes. And then what happens when I go through the gate again on my way back to my friends? Absolutely nothing happens. Even smaller. 
Yeah. <laughs> you are now Scott Lang in the quantum realm. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing happens. And it takes a while because you are now at a scale of five foot to about one inch. So for every inch that you walked through, an average step, you know, is like uh, 18 inches or so, depending on your stride, especially you being taller. Um, so that would be, um, uh, let's see, that'd be 50, uh, uh, 95 feet or so to even the threshold of that gate. Like this, maybe this is where all people were. Yeah, you guys see about 180 feet away from you, giving the, given the current perspective of your new size, about 180 feet away from you is that straw hat that you saw on the path. Uh, other than that, this path is now 120 foot wide um, and goes on what you can only imagine is like an endless amount of uh, uh, distance. Uh, uh, well, since, um, given the fact that we're tiny, does that affect the range of my detect magic? Uh, technically, yes. Um, it's, it's all, everything is shrunk down accordingly. So a range of 60 foot is now 12 inches or so, but we're going to just use the new perspective as a your perspective foot. So you still have okay. 30 perspective feet of uh, range on everything. And your so spell... The, ra- <clears throat> the range is proportionate to our size, modifier. Correct, yes. So, um, But All everything's right. still around you. Even yourselves now glow with transmutation magic. Oh, okay. So I'll bring that up mention that to the crew, that it seems that we're all under the effect of transmutation magic. <laughs> Slightly awaiting a durr from someone else. <laughs> yeah, think. Oh. Okay, so would you guys approach that hat, or are you going to try and uh, navigate this endless grass um, around you that's now taller than you are? What, what would you guys do? I have a sneaking suspicion that we should go towards the hat, or, or towards the... Um, the picnic table that we saw. Okay. I, Someone else I will follow underneath. That's what I was thinking, is maybe whoever was wearing the hat maybe underneath it. Okay. So you guys, um, as you approach the hat, I'm assuming you are assuming people are under there, correct? So you're approaching a little bit cautiously? Yeah. Okay. When you get closer, um, Lydia, you in particular, and anybody else whose passive perception is higher than an 18, you spot uh, four bear uh, bugbears uh, lying in wait. And as they realize that uh, they've been spotted, they jump out and attack. Go ahead and everybody roll me initiative. And we're going to roll. Barbie has an 8. Barun has a 20. I rolled a natural one, so it's a five. Oh, no. Uh, I got a 16. I got a 20. Okay, uh, Thorun uh, and Klein, who has the higher decks? I have a plus two to decks. Plus two. Okay, uh, intelligence score next. Plus one, plus one. <laughs> Wisdom next. Minus one. Plus three. Okay, Virgil, you're going to go first. So the order will go... Uh, Thorun, Klein, Danderbin, Barnaby, and then the Bugbears, and finally Fimdir. Alright, so we go ahead then and get started. So you guys would have been about 30 feet away from these Bugbears as they crawl out from under this hat and start uh, approaching you guys. So they would have just stood up on the other side of the hat. 
Go ahead and uh, Thorund, how would you start this turn? Alrighty. Alright, then I will run up to the bugbear and I will draw out my sword and attack. Okay. Uh, I guess that a seven will not hit. Uh, no, seven will not. Okay. Uh, bonus action. Uh, unarmed attack. Uh, ten. Uh, ten will not hit either. No, unfortunately not. We then move on to Clyde. I feel like my best bet right now, um, is uh, we're, we're going to start off by casting Mage Armor and trying to put myself in a spot where uh, I've got good view of everything that's going on and call it good there. Alright. Danderbin. Uh, Aaron run forward. I will rush forward with him as well. Okay. Movement speed of 35, so I'll run up alongside him. As my bonus action, I'll use my up to mischief feature to attach a manacle to the arm of the bugbear. Okay. As my action, I'll take the use an object action to attach the other... I was going to attach it to Thorin's arm, but I will just bugbear. Okay, so you attach it to the same or a different bugbear? Same bugbear. Okay. Uh, you attach the manacles to him. We then move on to Barnaby. The first bugbear has been shackled. <laughs> Alright, um, the closest non-shackled bugbear, I will move uh, up to my 25 feet, place myself at about 10 feet from him, and utilize my whip. Okay. With 21 to hit. 21 hits, yes. And 2 plus 2 for 4 damage. Okay, 4 points of damage. Anything as a bonus action? Um, I don't have much for bonus action, so nope, that'd be it. Okay, so we move on to the bugbears. So the first bugbear is going to strain against these, and he is going to try to break them apart. Uh, DC 20 strength check, I believe, correct? I, it, it goes off of my key save, so it's only 12. Oh, okay. So he strains against them and rolled an 11, but has a plus 2, so he snaps those chains very easily uh, and roars out very pissed off, but that did take his action to break free. Uh, the second bugbear, um, Barnaby, would you have been 10 feet away or within 5 feet using your whip? I'll stay 10 feet to make sure that I... Because that's the range of the weapon. Okay. He will take one step forward then and attack you, Barnaby. Ah! That uh, probably doesn't hit. Uh, that was only a four plus fours for eight. So that probably won't hit you. Nope. All right. Thorin, the other two are going to advance on you and attack. Uh, each one makes one attack with its morning star. Uh... Let's see, the first one was a 19, the second one was over a 20, so both will hit, correct? Yeah. Okay. You end up taking 10 points of damage from the one, and only 7 points of damage from the other one, as they both clobber you with their morning stars. Okay. I'm going to repost. Okay. Or, sorry, Harry. Okay. So, that is 5. Okay, so minus 5, you said, to the damage? Yeah. Okay, so Lydia, we then move on to you. 
So how far am I away exactly? Uh, 30 feet away, uh, roughly. If you are 10 feet back from the rest of the group, then 40. Hi. I'm gonna back up again, um, and for, try and find some cover. Is there any, like, just light sort of thorn foliage or anything I can get behind? Uh, it would have. It would be about sixty feet away from where you're standing because uh, the hat was in the middle of this path, and the path is about 120 perspective. Uh, so it'd be about a sixty foot jump to get to where you were going. That's a long <laughs> way away. Okay. Well, I wait. I don't need it. Uh, I will go ahead. I will still back up another ten feet. Okay. And I will take a shot at the one that's currently engaged. Okay. Uh, I'll have sneak attack. Is someone else engaged with it? So, uh, nope. That's going to be a ten to hit. Sorry. Ten is not quite enough to hit. Uh, anything is a bonus action then. Uh, I will uh, send encouraging thoughts and anyway. <laughs> okay. We then move back on to Thorin. You have uh, you are flanked by the two. One is uh, to your left side. The other one is directly in front of you. Alrighty. Uh, I'm going to attack the one. That is a 19 to hit. Yes, that very easily hits. Okay. I am going to use my... Uh, uh, no, nah, I'm just going to attack see what happens. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's a... Uh, that's seven points of splashing damage. Oh, wow. Okay. And for bonus action? Uh, bonus action, I will attack again. Uh, same thing. Uh, that is a 18 to hit. Alright, yep, that hits. Uh, I'm actually gonna make that a sweeping attack. Okay. Um, so when I hit a creature with a wit, with a wit melee weapon attack, one of my superiority die, and attempt, attempt to damage another creature within, within the same attack. Use okay. another creature within 5 feet of the original target, and within my reach. Uh, if the original attack would hit, it would hit the, it hits the second hit back. The original attack would hit the second creature. It takes damage equal to the number I roll on my superiority deck. Okay. So that's a oh, that's four. So that would be plus uh, six. So uh, six to the one. Okay. Uh, plus an additional three, so seven to wait. Sorry, six to the one I attack. Three to uh, the second. Part. Okay, the one you originally attacked is not looking great at this point. Uh, the the slash that you cut across him uh, in that first attack uh, got underneath his chain shirt on his side, and and it really is bleeding pretty profusely. With that second draw, you were able to cut across the uh, the swinging arm of the first bugbear and hit the arm of the second one in that same swing, and so they are. The one is definitely not looking good at this point. Klein, we then move on to you. So you said one is looking super not great, and the other one is looking just not great. Uh, the se- the second target one um, took uh, just a minor glancing blow. He definitely didn't enjoy being hit, but he's still doing pretty decent. He looks about the same oh. as the one Barnaby whipped. You know what I think we're going to do? I think we are going to twin spell Guiding Bolt. Oh, wow. And just pop that off at each of the bugbears. One of those will not hit. And then the other one is a crit. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Would the crit have been on the second target? Um, the other one attacking? Yes. Uh, the, the, the crit would have been on the less damaged one. Okay. Go ahead and roll that damage as this almost light ball streaks out from your hand and smacks him square in the face. 35 radiant damage. This ball of supercharged energy just burns away a good portion of his facial features and he falls to the ground completely dead. So, um, alright, you take care of the other one. <laughs> okay. Danderbin. Eyes open wide and look back towards Klein and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I'll shout. It's kind of like a laser. <laughs> <laughs> Since I've recently learned about lasers. Like, very good, uh, Barnaby. <laughs> Use an object action as a bonus action. Is drinking a potion using an object? I'm going to home rule that in. I'm totally fine with you quaffing a potion as a bonus action. If you're giving it to somebody else, it would take a full action, though, because they would need to drink it, them not being the one pouring it. So, But if you're drinking okay. a potion, I'll give it as a bonus. Uh, Thorin, you took a whole bunch of damage, didn't you? Yeah. Run up to Thor and say, A little something for your wounds, my lord, and I'll pop it open, just shove it into your mouth and feed you a greater healing potion. <laughs> uh, not that good, only 11 points of healing. That's okay, that pretty much brings me back to full health. And then for my bonus action, I will check and throw some all bearings underneath the feet of the other. Okay, would you throw it underneath the feet of the one that broke the chains, which would have been the one in front of you, uh, or would you throw it underneath the feet of the one that Barnaby is whipping? I like the way you describe that. Yeah. Barnaby is whipping. <laughs> Since he just broke my favorite manacles, I will definitely throw it underneath his feet. Okay, he definitely begins to look unstable as we move on to his turn. So, uh, the one needs to make a save against falling. Um, what is that DC, Braden? I don't have it in front of me. DC 12, dexterity 70. Okay. That's only if he tries to first. Okay. Uh, he begins to step forward, but he slips and falls and lands on his butt um, as he was not able to keep his footing from that. Um, so he is now prone. Uh, the one in front of Barnaby is once again going to swing his morning star down at him. Uh, that definitely will not hit. Hooray! Uh, and then the one in front of the one in front of Uthorn once again swings back. He did lose flanking because Klein took out the his buddy. So that will uh, well maybe not. That's a seventeen. Does that hit? Yep. Okay, seventeen. So you take. Uh, eight points of damage from that one as he clobbers you very mightily with that club. Uh, we then move on to Fim. <sighs> okay, is the one currently engaged um, with another player? Yes, there are two of them. One of them is uh, attacking Barnaby. Um, the other one is uh, not looking great at all and just struck Thorin with his Morningstar. Okay, I'll go for that one. And can I just say, with the recent uses, the you know, the recent tactics, chains and whips, this is getting a bit explicit. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
I will get sneak attack and I'll go ahead and take a shot with my longbow. Alright. Okay, that will be 11 plus 6, so 17. Yes, that hits. Okay. Okay, and that's settled. 17, yes, two points of force. Okay. As um, that arrow, he swings that club up, bringing it down on Thorin, and as he rears back up to swing again, that arrow lodges into that room where he was cut and uh, pierces into his lungs, and he falls to the ground completely dead. We then move on to Thorin. Okay. Uh, I will run over to the one attacking Barnaby, uh, and I will take my sword down. Uh, across his back. That is a 22 to hit. Yes, that hits. Alrighty. I'm gonna use my key, my last one, and make that a distracting strike. That is 14 points of damage. Uh, and then I'll use my bonus action uh, make an unarmed strike. Okay. Uh, that is 14 to hit. Uh, 14 is just two points shy of what you need. Okay. Uh, uh, when my sword comes down, uh, I yell towards uh, Barnaby and the others to uh, strike him now. And uh, distracting strike. The next attack roll against the target I attacker other than myself has advantage. Okay, so the uh, next strike has advantage. Uh, is that melee only or is that anybody? Any, any attacker besides me. Okay. Klein, it is then your turn. So we are going to, uh, we're, we're going to do a little bit of, uh, yeah, we're going to firebolt at Yon Bugbear. Oh, that's only a 14. Okay, just short of what you need. And then, so action, as a bonus action, we are going to, screw it, I'm having fun with metamagic, we're going to quick and spell chaos bolt. 21 to hit. Yes, that very much hits. For 2d8 plus 1d6, that is going to be 6, 11, 12, 13 points of... We're, we're, we're going to imbue the Chaos Bolt with the radiation of a fully living star and deal it poison damage. Okay. And uh, are you going against the one that was attacking uh, Thorun and Barnaby, or would you be going against the one that... Uh, just stood up after being knocked on his butt with those uh, ball bearings. Uh, the the one who is currently engaged with my compatriots. Okay, and that is enough that that and and you see his eyes bug out a little bit and he collapses to the ground, expiring at your feet or at their feet. All right, Dan- all right, friends. There's one left. Danderbin, it's up to you. He is currently stood up, but that was as far as he got with his move. Uh. I'm feeling pretty grumpy that he broke my manacles. I'm going to... He's, he's up now, did you say? Uh, yeah, he got up onto his feet, but uh, that's it. That's as far as he made it. Okay. I will run up to him as my bonus action, open my bear trap. I will... Uh, area, I should say. <laughs> and I don't. I slip over onto the ground. Oh, no! Okay. Anything then as a bonus action or anything? <laughs> this is terribly frightening. I'm running with an open bear trap and I fall over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll use my action to dash and stand up. Okay. 
you are then able to stand up. Uh, I just grumbled. Okay. Onto the big bugbear. He uh, sees you running at him, slipping and falling, and uh, standing back up again. And so his confidence is emboldened, and he swings down at you, Danderbin. Uh, that probably will not hit uh, only uh, nine. So I'm assuming you're <laughs> better off than that, correct? Yes, I managed to slip underneath the strike. Exactly, yes. He swings that morning star down, and you are able to, you miraculously slip at that exact same moment, standing back up as he recovers from that swing. Fimdir, it is on to you. Oh, yes, Barnaby, I'm sorry, you would have gone after Danderbin. Uh, so, go ahead, uh, Barnaby, and then we'll... I'll advance the next one, and from 10 feet up, make the attack. Yep, you just turn to your left and swing it. Oh, so close. Uh, 19 plus 4 for 23. Yes, that definitely helped. Hits. 4. Okay. And then Fimdir, it is now your turn. Yep. Okay, so he's engaged. So I will take another longbow shot with it for um, sneak attack. So, come on. That will be a... So, 20. Yes. And... And... Um, that is 18... Um, piercing damage plus two force, so twenty damage. Okay, wow, he is barely standing. Uh, that that shot lodged in his uh, collarbone, and you can tell that he's in a very large amount of pain, uh, and definitely not long to this world. We then uh, anything as a bonus action, Phil? Um, I will dash just to get close to everyone else. Okay, yes, you <laughs> get right up there with the rest of the group, Thorin. I'm going to run up behind the bugbear, and I'm going to thrust my sword into his back. Okay. That is a nat 20. <laughs> nat 20. Go ahead and describe Ooh. how you end this bugbear with three health points. Uh, I just run up, and I just thrust the skin to, into his back, uh, twist the blade, and then just, like, front kick him off of it to, like, kick him off the blade, and then just wipe the blood off my sword and resheath it. Okay, he falls amongst the ball bearings, and everything around you goes silent. Uh, you begin to look around a little bit, the bugbears not having anything really of note on their persons, and just as you think everything is completely in the clear, you hear a absolutely ear-splitting caw, and from above you see a raven swoop down and grab one of these now-slain bugbears from the ground. Uh, from beside you in the uh, brush and whatnot, you hear, Get out of the open! It's almost upon you! Come on, hurry! As a young elven uh, woman is uh, kind of peeking out through the brush, this raven occupied with these dead um, uh, bugbears uh, begins to quickly devour them. Oh, uh, I, I'm not a, you don't have to tell me twice. I'm on the move. Okay. Does everybody get out of the? Yes. Does everybody get out of the pathway then, cutting towards where that woman is standing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. As soon as I get on As 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 I'm doing so, Bob, I am going to uh, use a bonus action to convert a second level spell slot into two sorcery points. Okay. Yes. Uh, you get back into the brush. And uh, Sorsha is uh, who she introduces herself as. And she says, there's not a whole lot of time. We need to get back to the basket. Uh, confusing as that sounds, we're, we're holed up there. Uh, it's it's the only place that's really safe. All, I, I don't know what all else is out here, but this raven 
has picked off many of our numbers so far, so please follow me in hurry. How many people are at the basket? Uh, there's 28 of us, uh, 29 including myself. Are you sure that the, the basket can hold us all? Yes, it's a very large picnic basket. Every day we would pack enough food in it for all of us workers, so it is a very sizable basket. There's more than enough room. Just please hurry before the raven uh, finishes the meal and comes after us. Scoop, scoop, scoop. What was that? How exactly are we this, this small? This is, does no one find this very odd that we're all conversing at the size of that? <laughs> well, all, all I can tell you is that some Freya had to have done something. I don't know what she did, but definitely something. Uh, this is something that she would do. I've seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> okay. Just a quick eyeball over to him. <laughs> all right. So do you guys follow her as she begins cutting through this grass? I don't think we have a choice. I think we have strength in numbers and... We'll get a little information when we're there, so... Okay, you guys make it to the picnic basket after a very long and very harrowing adventure and cutting through. You guys, she uh, knocks a specific knock, and all of a sudden, ropes begin to lower from this picnic basket, and she begins climbing up to the top. You can see that a cover, a cloth or something, is over the top of this basket, uh, and standing on its edge are... Uh, these uh, individuals holding these ropes. I so, suppose we climb. Yep. Okay. Uh, you guys get up to the very top of the basket. You can see that there's another rope leading down into it. Um, a small hole in this cover on the top. And you guys descend into this basket. You see all of the other villagers around here, all very scared looking, but um, otherwise seem to be all in one place. Um... The furniture and food is made up of the same stale bread that uh, was in the pack. You noticed as you approached, some of the perishable food uh, was off to the side of the basket, um, having been thrown out after it got bad. But they seem to have crafted much of their furniture and uh, are eating this stale bread as well. Most of them don't appear to be what you would consider adventurers. Uh, They are all just fellow workers. Um, not exactly cut out to defend an attack. Sorsa, uh, or Sorsha, um, says that if you guys could at all possibly help, uh, you look a lot more cut out for this kind of work than they are. They say that Freya has got to be at that table. That was the last spot that she was seen, and, and some strange sparks appeared from the, uh, table area, according to their scouts that climbed up the handle of the basket a little bit to get some elevation. I uh, saw some strange sparks coming from underneath that table. Um, I, not, I will confirm that we did see the sparks yeah. just when we arrived. Yeah, so she says that's gotta be where Freya is hiding and it has to be her that did it. She asks that you all find your way to the table and try and convince Freya by whatever means necessary to undo this. The first thing I will do is ask them how long they have been eating stale bread. Uh, they would say they have been here for about 12 days now. Um, I will take some of the rations out of my explorer's pack and hand them around so that they have some actual, like, real food to eat for once. They are extremely grateful and split it up, split it up amongst themselves so everybody gets a little bit and they relish these rations. Even though you know they're not anywhere near what you would call fancy food, they relish the taste of them. 
and then knowing that we are potentially going into another unfriendly fight, I will find a quiet corner to sit alone with the stone on my gauntlet and draw two spell slots from it to refill some usages of spells. Okay. Would anybody like to take a rest here at all? She does say she would offer uh, all the hospitality they have here, as, as little as it is, um, to allowing you guys to rest for a bit before you continue on. That seems good. Yeah. I uh, hit their couch just to you know, wander around a bit in the brush, just a bit of reconnaissance. Okay. Um, you are able to see, um, from climbing up just a little ways, uh, you are able to see that uh, obviously the most direct path to the table would be on that main path, but you could also possibly cut through the brush itself to get there, um, which would definitely be safer because this raven is very... It knows that there's prey here. So it's its being very perceptive of the entire area. All right. I will um, eventually relay that back to everyone. Okay. I, uh, I, 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 I can't, I can't sneak past Raven. Say, um, okay. when I arrived at the port city, I made a trip with some strange plant lady, and now I can make a silent illusion. How, how tiny are we, did we decide? Five foot to Here. one inch. So, are there are there some leaves floating by, perhaps that we could maybe fashion? Like, you ever seen in the movies where they the the people they put the canoe on top of themselves, or they put themselves inside the bush and they just like walk across the thing? All the leaves would be silver and very shiny, and uh, anybody with the oh. uh, yeah, the, anybody with yeah. uh, nature skill would know that ravens are attracted to shiny things. Uh, not to mention, they would be very heavy for us. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to do while taking this uh, rest for those that didn't need to rest? Uh, no, I'll get my spell back and I mean I don't know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I'll uh, kind of wander around and talk to people and do what I can to reassure them that, that adventurers are here trying to help. Okay, yeah. Uh, like I said, you would glean um, from them that this land being uh, different you know, obviously the different sizes and everything that uh, all the wildlife here is now extremely um, aggressive, for lack of a better term, uh, given the new size. Uh, rabbits were very prevalent in this area as well, um, and and that is definitely something to worry about. Um, and then, other than that, uh, just don't go out into the open, and you should be safe from the raven. But that's about all the advice that they give. Is that run out of more advice than I had? Is there anything that ravens... I don't know much, me personally, I don't know much about birds, but is there any way that we can maybe, like, poison the raven? Chaos bolt? Like, maybe... Well, no, I mean, like, like, actually find a way to poison its food, that it would die, but I guess they're carrying pickers, right? They're gonna... Yeah, they're pretty resistant to... Pretty resilient to most poisons and whatnot. Disease. I feel like our best bet is to just not have to deal with it. Okay, then they would say your best bet is uh, to go across the orchard and um, try and find your way. A branch um, may have fallen across the stream, but they, they're not 100% for sure. If you had a map or something, you might be able to figure it out. They know it very well, but they're not in any shape to act as guides. Carter! Carter! 
<laughs> okay. Do you guys ask Carter's help? Sure. Okay. If, if, if he, he scales to size. Yes, Car- <laughs> Carter would have scaled like with Google you. Google Maps, you gotta zoom in. Yeah, Carter would have scaled with you, and uh, upon asking him, he is able to identify not only the shortest path there, but also uh, where a branch has indeed fallen across, so you wouldn't have to cross across the bridge, which would be suicide, um, being out in the open like that. All right. He he found us a route with no tolls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So would you guys then uh, follow Carter's path uh, going out while you're running? I think that would be the, the wisest course of action. Good to me. Okay. As you guys push forward through the grass, after running for a while, um, you catch glint of something shining up ahead. A huge band of gold metal is lying half buried in the soil with three giant emeralds uh, embedded in it. it Someone is... want to make note that that's here? Yes. Uh, who? He, uh, well, obviously, um, you have somebody that can read Elvish um, uh, with Fim here. So, Fim, you would read the script on the inside of the band says, For my darling Nima. And that's uh, very flowy. Uh, it's a very exquisite ring as well, uh, as far as price and whatnot. It's going to be too heavy for you guys to carry without being super, um, you know, encumbered. But uh, you can probably make note of it. Uh, Carter will make note of it on the map if you ask him to, uh, so that you can come back for it if you like. Please do, Master Carter. Okay. Um, You guys continue on, and you're very easily able to see that clouds begin to roll in a little bit as you're running across. So for most of the day... Yes, for most of the day, the weather overhead has been fine, but as one of the rain clouds passes, and you begin to hear a thudding noise drawing closer and closer. Suddenly, droplets of water the size of your fist begin hammering down all around you as a shower of rain erupts. You look around for cover, but the only option in sight is a wide hole in the ground over to your right. So, everybody go ahead and give me a dexterity saving throw. DC is 10. Oh, hasted. Okay, did anybody roll less than a 10? I did. Alright, if you roll less than a 10, you will take... One point of damage as this raindrop, uh, the size of a fist, slams into you. Um, you well, could be worse. Yes. Um, you, anybody with proficiency in nature can tell that the hole that you see is probably a rabbit burrow, and uh, probably would not be the best idea to uh, go in there. But you do see that you could probably try to get underneath a bunch of. Uh, leaves and whatnot, and gather those together if you wanted to, uh, to try and get out of this rain. Would you guys do that? That sounds like a good plan. Uh, in the time it takes you to gather those leaves, go ahead and everybody give me three more dexterity saves to get out of the way of that. For each roll below ten, take two points of bludgeoning damage. Okay, I made those. Two. Two points for each I- fail. I failed one. Okay. The rain shower passes after about five minutes or so, and it was extremely loud, and you did not enjoy that by any means, but eventually it dissipates. So, uh, as you guys continue on, you get closer to a, a bottle on the ground, you see, and if your passive perception is higher than a 10, you can hear some very, very bad singing coming from this green glass bottle. 
Uh, on the outside, you read Oakum's Scrumpy Cider, listed on the side. Inside the bottle is a gray-haired human wearing tattered leather armor, half submerged in a small amount of liquid that has yet to spill out. And singing tunelessly himself, to himself, the gray-haired human stands. The entire area reeks of cider. <coughs> oh, do you guys approach this strange man within the bottle, or do you just keep passing him by? I think we'll let the boozeaholic have his drink. That's a good call. Okay, you guys pass him by then, and you find uh, the fallen branch that cuts across this stream. So, uh, this branch is very large and does have several twigs and silver leaves still on it that provide good cover. Um, and you guys can see, uh, uh, Fem, you in particular, notice a web that uh, was almost invisible that between two of the twigs uh, that would have been the most obvious path. So, do you warn everybody of that web and then carefully make you guys make your way past it? Yeah, I don't tell them. No, of course I tell them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Witness, uh, a, uh, the web of spiders ahead. I, I can firebolt the web and burn it out. Uh, right as you begin to do that, um, Fim, yeah, you... I don't... Yeah, if, I would if it's, say if it's... don't, because what's the last thing we need while we're barely over an inch? It would be the spiders, regular size, very angry. Yeah, and you do, right as he begins to raise his hand to launch that spell, you put a hand on him, um, because... I was raising my hand to offer... Okay, uh, you you stop him uh, and mention the spiders because you saw one very large hairy spider leg kind of shift behind one of the leaves behind where that web would be. How fast is this stream moving? Uh, fast enough that it would be fairly difficult to get across. If I were to cast water walking on my compass and four of us hold it, would we be able to walk across it? Uh, you probably could. You do notice, though, that um, there is a couple of frogs far down the stream. You're not sure how close, uh, how quickly they could move. Mm. I is say there we take we can get the frogs against the spiders. How wide exactly is the stream just sort of translating to feet? Uh, it would be 180 foot across, uh, given your, your size. The distance between the bottom of the branch and the flowing water. Uh, the bridge is 120 foot above the surface, so we're going to say that it's about 100 foot above the surface. I also have a spider to climb with my compass, but only four of us can hold it at once, so someone will get left behind. Then, yeah. if you would have brought Ladybug with you, Ladybug would have shrunk with you. Okay. I don't mind hiding out for a while. Otherwise, I can I can hide out. You're you're better at spotting things when we get to the other side. You can see if it's safe or if we need to turn back. And you guys are relatively certain that if you kind of skirt around where that web is, you could probably get by the spiders without them attacking. That you do see the leftovers of a recently eaten uh, grasshopper or something along those lines. So they looks like they just had a meal not long ago. Let's go. That's the stealth. So good. Okay, go ahead and everybody uh, roll me a group stealth check going across. Since there are five of you, I need three passes before one fail. 
The DC on this one is a 13. 8, 15, 19. Uh, 27. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah, that more than makes up for it. So you guys are very easily able to skirt past those giant spiders. So you get to the other side, and of course I'm sure at least one of you turns around and faces the back direction as you finish going across this um, to make sure they don't follow you. You land on the other side of the uh, stream there, and after a lot of walking, you see the dark form of the table looms up ahead, uh, looms up ahead of you. And as you push your way towards one of the legs, you realize that the grass directly underneath the table has been trimmed to create a wide circular clearing. Sitting cross-legged on top of a very large book in the center is a short, even by the current circumstances, dark-haired young woman wearing rather worn robes. She smiles at you and waves cheerfully. Uh, hello. I knew that old Tristan would send somebody along eventually. Took you long enough, though. It's been ages since I sent those sparks up. Freya, I presume? Ah, yes, uh, that that's me. Oh, Carter, I, I'm glad to see that he accompanied you. its It's been forever, Carter. I hope everything is going well with you. Unshrink us, you foolish witch. <sighs> unfortunately, I would love to, but unfortunately, uh, everything is being channeled through my crystal orb focus, uh, which the raven, unfortunately... Uh, took. It's up in its nest, which is in the tree just right over there, and you can see a very large tree just right on the other side of where this table is, kind of creating shade for it. Um, and up in this tree, you see a nest um, way up in there. Well, sucks to be us. <laughs> I, I actually, uh, after I sent those sparks up, uh, I began brewing a potion of spider climb, and I happened to have uh, six vials of it here, um, and and I also still had with me one potion of invisibility, uh, so I could give them to you because I, I honestly I, I need to get out of here. You're the first contact I've had with anybody in two weeks. Why haven't you made the attempt? If you have these potions, without my crystal ball focus, I, I'm virtually useless. Well, I mean, if you're invisible and spider climbing after you drink those potions. You should be able to get to your focus fairly easily and deal with it that way. I, I would rather live uh, than not. So I'd rather not. Plus, I don't know what all powers are actually in effect here. I My, my original goal, and I, I didn't do it out of malice at all. I did it because I'm just so angry at Tristan. Um, I, I ended up shrinking uh, the entire uh, population of anything humanoid. Um, instead of excluding everything humanoid, you see, in the terms of the contract, I, I promised that I would not remove the trees from the grounds in which they were planted. So I was trying to shrink the trees and the, the farm down and just remove the land itself. Um, but that obviously uh, didn't happen. So I, I'm as eager to get out of this as you are. Then come help us. Like I said, I am useless without... My, my focus, I, I can't do a thing. I, I would just hold you back. At the same time, you are more than. At the same time, you're more than willing to send us into harm's way when you yourself are not willing to face these dangers. Well, if I stay back, I can always brew more potion in case the next group comes along. Should you not make it, but I can already tell that all of you are so strong that this should not be a problem for you at all. 
just want to walk over just like a branch or something, sort of break off a bit of it, so it's bit like a foot, and I just toss it to her. Here's your foot. Brand new wand. I have to have that focus. This one, I, I, I'm tuned to that focus. I can't do it. All you, all you need to do, you don't even have to bring the focus back. All you have to do is break the focus. At this point, I don't know how much power I'd be able to channel because my, my power is still being pulled out of me through the focus. Uh, I mean, you don't even have to bring it back here. Just kick it out of the nest or or attack it. Just shatter it and everything will go back to normal. I am going to... Uh, I want to make a... Uh... I make a persuasion check to try to convince her to come along with us. Okay. That is a 17. A 17. That is higher than the 14 she rolled. So she says, ah, I can, but I would just be dead weight. So, uh, just... You buttered lead. your... You, you made your bed. Now you have to sleep in it, lady. F- fine. Lead the way. And she... I want to I know where you were going with the you buttered your biscuit. <laughs> I was going to say you buttered your bread. Now you have to eat it. But I don't I uh, a couple of logistic, logistical questions. Yes. Um, how high exactly is this nest in the tree? Uh, from your best estimate, um, it would be about six hundred feet, roughly, um, from Ooh. for for you distance wise. Can can I can is it visible? Yes, it is. Like the old, I can sh- I can hit it. Yeah. yeah, you could hit the nest, um, but the nest is big enough. It would take a very sizable project uh, projectile to to knock it out of the nest. I could light it on fire. I'd say if I can get within 120 feet of it, I can fire bolt it and light it on fire, and then well, that might give her a clear shot. You could set my arrow on fire, and then I could shoot it from down here. I could, we could, we could try that. I would be willing to try that. Okay, go ahead. All right, okay. so I will use firebolt to light her arrow on fire. Okay. okay. This, this will be with disadvantage because it's at my maximum range. Okay. So, oh, goodness. Uh, with disadvantage, that's 21 to hit. Oh, wow. Yes, you are very easily able to hit the nest, but because of that recent rain shower, the nest is slightly soaked, and so it does not catch fire. Oh, I did not consider that. And and to reward you for that creative thinking, um, I don't know how much of a reward this will actually be, uh, but let's call it a warning then. So as that flaming arrow shot up through there, you did notice that a wasp was buzzing around about halfway up that tree. Let's go. Um, oh, is anyone good at animal handling? <laughs> I am not. However, if my knowledge of Pokemon is correct, bugs are weak to fire. <laughs> I'm assuming everybody's going to make nature checks to figure out what a Pokemon is. <laughs> I assume it's a cultural thing. <laughs> I, I, I think to assume that. Okay, so then do you guys um, begin to... Uh, do you guys get up to that tree and then begin your ascent? I that's Our options are very limited. Okay. You find yourself standing at the base of the tree that, she, uh, that Freya pointed out to you, which looms impossibly tall and seems to stretch up to the sky itself. 
Among the glittering beauty of the silver leaves, you can make out the massive twigs that marks the raven's nest, uh, resting midway along the black-barked branch. So you guys begin your ascent. Uh, Do you chug those uh, spider-climb potions, and is anybody going to chug the um, invisibility potion? I think spider-climb is kind of a uh, a requirement at this point for us. Yeah. Um, So, I feel like... We could probably take on the wasp if, if push comes to shove. I, I personally think we should keep the invis- invisibility potion for a rainy day. Okay. Well, it's raining now. Yeah. Well, I, well, I, I think she's right though, because like uh, right now, yeah. only one of the five of us being invisible isn't really going to yes. help much. Uh, so I mean, I agree. At that point, we're just that person becomes invisible and then if we get attacked anyway they attack and then they lose it so I, th- I think she's right like once we yep. get to the top of the branch it might require invisibility to get from the, the base of the branch to the actual nest and she does mention that since she brewed these potions after she shrank um, that it when we return to normal size um, you won't it'll you know no longer be a big enough dosage it will not return to normal size because she created it while tiny um, so this would kind of be the only real opportunity to use it if you wanted to is before you guys return to normal size. Unless so I you think, really I think wanted to make like a small bug invisible. <laughs> I, I agree though. I think waiting to use the invisibility potion until we kind of have a better plan and a better idea of what's going on once we get up to the top. <laughs> yeah. I'd gladly take a hold of it because I am the potion feeder. <laughs> okay, so then do you guys um, then begin, and who is in the what climbing order? Okay, I will hang towards the back since I am um, ranged magical DPS. Okay, close to the front. Okay, when you, when you get about um, 300 feet up, that wasp that you spotted earlier uh, definitely isn't... Uh, sociable and not happy. So it would um, begin buzzing around and I need everybody to give me a uh, initiative roll. No, 18. Okay. 21. Klein is a 19. Okay. Uh, 17. Uh, Just 9. Okay. The wasp rolled a 5 plus 2 for 7. So the um, turn order will go Thorun, Klein, uh, Barnaby, uh, Fimdir, Danderbin, and the Giant Wasp. So, uh, go ahead, uh, Thorin. Alrighty, so... Uh, what is the range for this wasp? Uh, the wasp is uh, trying to sting you. You can see that it uh, has kind of assumed that position with the stinger and is kind of starting to dive down at you guys. So it would be within melee range of you guys now. You guys would have kind of hit a small branch or a really rough spot on the bark where you would have a little bit of a standing ledge. Okay. Uh, then I will draw out my longsword, and okay. I will attack said wasp. Okay. Uh, that is a 13 to hit. Yes, that is enough. Okay. Uh, I will distracting strike. So, uh, that is 8, 9, 10... 13 points of flashing damage. 
Alright, that is exactly what you needed to kill it. And as you... And as you slice... Yes, as you slice into it, though, a cloud of pheromones explode from it and cover you all. And you notice a wasp nest a little further up. As seven giant wasps begin descending towards you guys, they will get here next round. Wasps. Fireball would have to be wasps. <laughs> All right. Uh, Klein, uh, Thorin, anything as a bonus action? Um, no. Okay. Um, we then move on to Klein. Uh, they are about 50 feet away from you. How far away is the nest? Uh, the nest, would they would have just exited the nest, so about 60 feet away. So my question is, if we kill these, are more going to spawn? No, this was a small nest, so you can see that they that was it that was on the nest. Okay, in that case, we are going to... I think we're just going to go ahead and... Hoping I don't need this later. We will cast Scorching Ray. Okay, go ahead. And target three different wasps with it. All right. Make your attacks. Uh, will a 12 hit? 12 hits exactly. Alright, then all three of them are hit. Okay. For... Oh crap, that was... No, that right, it wasn't any damage. Never mind. Um, 3, 5, 8. Fire damage. Okay, uh, and isn't each one the damage resolved independently? Oh, it looks like it is. Yep, so that one takes 8. Okay. One, another one takes 8. Okay. And the third one takes five. Okay. The, uh, all three wasps are definitely looking pissy. Um, the first two that got hit for the eight, uh, aren't looking great. Uh, they definitely, though, well, their wings are starting to get charred, and they definitely didn't enjoy that. So, anything is a bonus action. Um, I think as a bonus, bonus action, I got nothing, so I'm going to, uh, kind of hope we then move on to Barbie. Uh, there's still a ways out. Yes, they would still be a ways out of 50 feet. I'm going to go ahead and just like ready the whip. Okay. I don't have I don't have much aside from that to, to do. Okay, so then take yourself out of initiative until they get within striking range? Yep, as soon as one of them is within 10 feet, I'll make an attack. All right. Fimdir, it is now your turn. Okay. Um, Virgin's yes. Is it... No chance of me finding a place to obscure myself or hide while climbing out of this. Oh, yes, you would very easily be able to find um, lots of leaves or rough bark or whatever to kind of duck behind. Okay, first thing I'll do is I'll take a shot at one of the injured wasps. Okay. This will not be a sneak attack. That is, no, that is, that's gonna miss. Uh, that's a nine. Yes, not quite enough. It nimbly dodges out of the way as you launch that arrow. I run towards some cover, and I will stealth, uh, that's 25. Okay, yes, you are completely hidden from their view. And it's my turn. Alright, Danderbin, on to you. Uh, how close is the closest rock to me? They would all be 50 feet away. I will, I, I can get there, uh, using Step of the Wind. I want to become the target of three angry giant wasps. Yeah, so there's I a, might. There's actually a total of seven of them there. I've just made three of them angrier than usual at me. Okay. Uh, 
I will use my action to small bullet with my hoop hat. Okay. So that's what it's called, whether the half swing, swing stick thing is called. Only an 11 to hit. Oh, 11? No, not quite enough. <clears throat> and as a bonus action, I will use my patient defense objection, okay. so I will use that. All right. Um, we then move on to the wasp's turn. Uh, when they get within 10 feet, Barnaby, go ahead and make your attack. All right. <laughs> the natural one. However, I have improvisation. Um, secret class ability. Whenever I fail an attack, I may re-roll that attack as part of the same attack action. I can use that ability once per short rest equal to my intelligence modifier. Okay. So, um, 13 plus 4. 17. Yes, that very much hits. Uh, 5 damage. Alright, that was exactly what you needed to take out the lead wasp as you whip one of its wings comes off and it falls to the ground very unceremoniously. It is now down to just six six wasps. Six wasps. Yes. Two of them are two of them are going to attack uh, Barnaby. One of those uh, will definitely hit. Does a fourteen hit you? Uh, no, actually. Okay, so then only one will hit, um, dealing to you six points of piercing damage, and I need a Constitution saving throw DC eleven. Yeah. Um, I do make it. Okay, you make it. So then you only take half of this damage. Um, you take, let's see, that's ten, so you take five points of poison damage. Okay. Alright, uh, the other two, uh, would attack, or the other, uh, remaining four, uh, let's go with, uh, Thorin gets attacked. Uh, twice, Klein gets attacked once, and Danderbin... Oh, actually, you know what? Thorn didn't attack, Danderbin did. So we're going to say Thorn gets one, Klein gets um, two, and Danderbin gets um, two as well. So, Thorin, uh, that probably won't hit you with a 14. That misses. Okay. Klein? Uh, I'm going to use my reaction to repose. All right. So that is a 23 to hit. Yes, 23 hits. Eight points of slashing damage. Okay, that was almost enough to remove one of its antennae completely. So, uh, then Klein, uh, two against you. And one of those will definitely hit. Uh, Does a 13 hit? With major armor, a 13 does not hit. So, as a reaction to that that attack missing, Bob. Mm-hmm. I'm going to utilize my face uh, of the stars feature as that is part of my soul of the cosmic cycle. Um, being in the face of the stars, when an enemy's attack misses you, I can teleport five feet times half my sorcerer level rounded up as a reaction. So as a reaction, I'm going to teleport five feet back. Okay, then I'll go ahead and say that that second attack then would miss you completely. All right, so it whiffs into air right where your head would have been moments ago. Uh, The one remaining will attack Danderbin. Uh, That definitely won't hit you, Danderbin, with an eight. So we then move on to... uh, Now that initiative is back over, to Thorin. You have one in front of you that is really not looking good, and everybody else is pretty much being attacked except for Fendir. 
fast at 23 to hit again. Okay. And that is seven points of slashing damage. All right. You split open its carapace, and it falls to the ground. Uh, I run up to the Uwant. So uh, Danderbin and uh, Barnaby both have two on them? Correct. The ones on um, Barnaby uh, were wounded. Okay. I'll run up to the ones on Barnaby, and I'll use my bonus action uh, uh, to attack. Okay. Uh, That's not going to hit with an eight. Okay, no, that does not quite hit. It nimbly lifts up in the air just quick enough to get out of the way of your strike. We then move on to uh, Klein. Alright, I think I think we're just gonna stick with uh, throwing our on Firebolt, so uh, the one that would have hit me, I'm going to fire off a Firebolt at it. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no, nat one. Okay. I did not Firebolt them. Okay, as you go to launch that Firebolt, um, you hadn't quite recovered your footing from that misty step, the bark still being a little bit slick from that earlier rain, and uh, you're kind of lurched back a little bit as it fires off uh, into the open air. We then move on to Fimdir. Okay, uh, someone... So, uh, who's currently in, like, who looks to be in the most danger? Like, is he in? Um, the ones in the most danger would be Danderbin or uh, Barnaby. Um, Klein oh, and Misty yeah. stepped out of the way. Oh, I'll take one of the ones taking dead event. Um, I will... Okay, so sneak attack. Um, so I'll take the nearest one that's taking him. Okay. Oh, that'll be natural 20. Okay. Um, okay, so how do I do this? A natural 20 would be maximum plus a roll. So if you do a D8, it would be 8 plus one roll of the dice and then add your modifiers. Is this all rolls that are maximized? Yes, in yes. yes. So okay. then all of your sneak attack die would be maximum as well. I can guarantee you're going to kill it, but if you want to add up the dice, go ahead and... 41. 41, okay. Well, it had 13 whole Holy health... Shit. Or no, it had um, 8 whole health points remaining. So uh, you lodge an arrow straight into the carapace underneath where its head would attach to the rest of its body, and that arrow had enough force to just remove and separate that and the head and the breast of the body just go spinning off into different directions. <laughs> right. I still think him. Okay, you very easily... That's, that's, yeah, that's um, 26. Yeah, oh, you, you, very <laughs> yeah. Easily, you very oh, easily God. hide back out of there. On then to Danderbit. Seeing this giant wasp in front of me and seeing one of Timdir's arrows kiss it and kill it, I look back with a the regular look, but then give a thumbs up, even though she's nowhere to be seen. Just <laughs> <laughs> randomly waving a thumb. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you see the back of Danderbin as he uh, gives a thumbs up to the complete wrong set of brush. Uh, <laughs> Alright, what would you like to do then, Danderbin? Uh, I will use... I still have one of those wasps in front of me, don't I? Uh, no, that was it. Just the one. Perfect. All right, well, I will then use my curl a flask of oil at one of the remaining ones. Okay, uh, one of them at Klein or Danderby? The one, uh, or uh, Klein or Barnaby? The ones attacking Barnaby are wounded. Uh, I'll throw it at Klein. Wasp. Okay, uh, go ahead and make that attack roll to hit it. Uh, that is an improvised weapon, so I don't have my proficiency, but it's still going to be a 9 to hit. Yes, that oil hits it and soaks it through. 
Okay, yes. So I can have a 35 meter speed. Yes, you're very easily mm-hmm. able to. You're all kind of within the same 20 foot cube ish type area, except for Fimdir. Anything as a bonus action? Yeah. Hey, after I take the attack action on my turn, I can use Flurry of Blows. Would throwing this oil roll count as an attack? Uh, it would either be attack or use an object. I would give you either. It, it make a ranged attack roll, so uh, I will run up to it and strike it twice with my little feet. Okay. The first is going to be a 14 to hit. Yes, that hits. Six points of damage. Okay. The first one hit. And the second is going to only be a, a 12 to hit on the second. That's exactly what you need. And then that is another five points of bloodstream damage. Okay, it is really not looking good at this point. We then move on to Barnaby. You are surrounded by two of them. I'm um, Well, I might as well just go ahead and make the attack. And that's probably going to miss. It'll be a seven. Yes, that misses. Oh, oh I have uh, improvisation, so I can spend another one of my improvisations. Okay. And seven plus four for 14. No, for seven plus four, 11. No, that's one point shy of what you need. Oh, okay. So I'm just flailing the whip about, like, if only I had someone to teach me how to better use this whip! <laughs> okay, we then move on to the <laughs> giant wasps. The uh, ones that Klein shot at earlier, uh, the one that uh, Dander Bennett was... Oh! oh uh, yep. Could I jump back real quick? Yeah. Uh, the lucky hack. Reroll any one dice roll for short rests. Regain this ability if the ability is if it's a natural twenty. Could I reroll something that had just been? Yep. Uh, rerolled. Yep. Not a problem. We'll try that. There you go. <laughs> Twenty-one. Okay. Yes, that hits. Because I don't want to take damage from two of these guys and six damage. Okay, that is enough to kill off one of the other ones. You snap at it right in its compound eye, and it falls to the ground, twitching slightly. All right, on then to the three remaining wasps. The Barnaby, the one that... Uh, oh, were you going to back off then, Barnaby? Um, well, I can dash as a bonus action. Uh, so, yeah, now that there's just the one, I'll dash as a bonus action and move back a few feet. Okay, yeah, you take an opportunity attack at disadvantage, and that saved you because that would have been an 18 otherwise. Uh, so, yes, that very easily saves you from that sting as you duck out of the way, holding down your fedora as you dash out of the way. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we then move on to all of the wasps. The one wasp is going to try and close on you, but in doing so, it will have to go by um, Thorin, who is going to get an opportunity of attack against it. That's what I was hoping for. All right. That's a 22 to hit. Yes, that hits. And that is four points of damage. Okay, that was almost enough to take it down. Um, as your blade runs across the side of its hard carapace body, you didn't do a whole lot of damage to it visibly, but you can tell you definitely hurt some of those joints. Um, it still uh, enclose, it still closes on Barnaby and makes a strike against him. Um, that will probably hit with a 16. Uh, no. No? Okay. No. Oh, well, wait a minute, yeah, because I'm not using the shield, because I would need a, the hand to climb. 
uh, you would have already been on the um, branch itself, so you wouldn't actually be climbing up and down right now. Oh, okay, so that's the yes. As soon, I didn't realize that. As soon as we get to the point where we don't need the hands, yeah, I would have gone fully equipped, yeah. Yeah, you guys are kind of on a lower branch, so yeah, then yeah. Uh, it strikes at your shield, you bat away that stinger, and it uh, begins to move around to reposition itself again. Um, the Klein, the one that was uh, doused in oil by Danderbin, is going to turn its attention from you and attack Danderbin. So, uh, Danderbin, actually, I think that will miss you with a 13. Okay, yes. Uh, being covered in oil and whatnot, it's heavier than it is used to be doing, so when it tries to strike at you, it, the strike does not quite hit. Um, Klein, the one that you Misty stepped away from, circles uh, and comes at you. It would uh, get within um, 10 feet of Barnaby, uh, within 5 feet of Barnaby going by, so you can go ahead and make an opportunity of attack if you'd like. And it would leave um, uh, Danderbin's space, so Danderbin, you can attack as well if you like. The natural 20. Okay, go ahead and resolve that, and I'm pretty sure you're going to kill it. Damage. Uh, uh, 11 points of damage left. Ooh, not quite enough. It is barely standing, or barely floating. As you punch at it, you visibly shattered the carapace, and it is slowly starting to almost dive down now towards Klein as it can no longer stay airborne. Barnaby, go ahead and make your attack. Alright. Uh, 16... Oh, no, 18 plus 4, 20. Yes, that hits. Go ahead and roll the damage, though I know it's a guaranteed kill. Um, 11 plus 2 for 3. Okay, that was actually enough uh, to kill it by one point, so okay, you good. whip out at it, hitting that same spot that Danderbin uh, severely damaged and it splits open the carapace, and the wasp crashes, coming to a stop right at Klein's feet. Uh, we then move on to um, Thorin. There is a single one left uh, in front of Barnaby. Okay. Uh, oh, I take I take that back. There's also the oil-covered one. Uh, I'll attack the one that's by Barnaby. Okay. Uh, so, that's a 13 hit. Yes, that hits. And that uh, three points of flashing damage. Okay, go ahead and give me a luck check. Eight. An eight? Yep. With your modifier, that is just what you needed to kill it. Did that one extra point of damage. Just as you were starting to withdraw your blade, you give it a bit of a twist, and the uh, wasp falls to the ground. Okay. Um, Then I'll run over to the oil-covered one. Okay. And I'll attack it. Go ahead. That is a uh, 20 to hit. Yes, that hits. And that'll do four points of bludgeoning damage. Okay, it flops to the ground in an oily, wet thud. And the wasp then... I mean, all those pheromones, of course, are on you, but no new wasps appear. Alright, would you guys then like to take a short rest before resuming your climb? Um, You do have spider climb on right now, so I wouldn't necessarily suggest it. Um, What's the the time on that? One hour. Well, if we take a ten minute break. I I appear from cover. Good job, everyone. (laughs) Oh, hello. I swear I didn't run away. (laughs) Clearly. Clearly, you did not flee. Okay, so, uh, taking a rest then? We could take a, a ten minute short rest. What, did you say that the time was on it? 
What was that? How long did you say that the time was going to be for it? Uh, spider climb is about an hour, um, so you guys could take a quick ten minute break if you wanted to. I personally think we should keep going just in case we need to. Oh, okay, gotcha. There's five of us. I can. Well, but as far as like spider climb, and then give one of us the version of climbing which I have in my pack. Um, I actually have my rope and pitons and whatnot. I could actually climb the tree, and I've got athletics <coughs> proficiency. So technically, well, if no one needs a short rest, then I say we keep going. <laughs> the only reason I would want it is because I'm I'm below half. But yeah, and I'd only do it to get my key points back. But I mean, if you want to take a quick short rest, then yeah, you guys, you guys would have more than a half an hour probably left um, in your spider climb potion uh, still in your system. Doesn't a short rest have to be at least an hour though? Technically, but I'm okay giving you guys ten minutes if you want to recover just one hit die. Call it a quick and short rest. Oh, oh. I, I'd be willing to get back one hit die. I could just give you a healing potion. Uh, oh, if you have those I will let you recover um, half of your key points um, on the short rest. Okay. So I get one point. Round it up or down? I have three. Round up. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Okay. 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 So then everybody ready to go? Uh, Danderbin, you could recover uh, one of your key points as well if you needed. Actually, you know, Bob, I think that's kind of a nice house rule. That, uh, that a short rest lasting only ten minutes, you can recover one hit die. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's not it's not scaled all that great, c- considering. But I mean, really, it's really nice in that early game. It's just like almost kind of like the second win feature of the fighter. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm going to end up doing is just adding these kind of random things in there as we come across. Okay, what was that, Tim? Powerless. Yes, exactly. All right, so then you guys uh, complete that and uh, continue your climb. I'm assuming. Yes. All yes, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go up here a bit though, just to keep a good eye out. Yeah, you guys um, can tell that the nest is about 300 feet directly above you, out kind of on a branch a little ways. Um, the crow is on, or the raven is on top of the nest uh, looking for prey, so approaching from directly underneath would keep you um, hidden until you went up there, but you won't know exactly where the orb is in that nest until um, you get clear up there. So, you guys uh, continue to climb up the 300 feet. Where would you guys like to come out at? Uh, Do you want to come out on the far end of the branch and then have to walk down in order to get to the nest? Do you want to try and climb underneath the branch and then sneak around it? Um, Any kind of distractions or anything like that you guys want to do? What's the general plan here? Probably the most sneaky here if you wanted to send me out. You can cast the silent image thanks to my data. We have that persuasion of invisibility if you want. And there's enough cover. Sorry. No, I was going to say there's enough cover uh, going out onto the branch. Um, You could probably, because it doesn't say how far out the branch is, just that it is out there. So we're going to go ahead and say um, it is relatively speaking about 60 feet out from the trunk um, and there are several other little small branches about every 10 feet or so relatively speaking there's a leaf and stuff that you could hide behind um, so there would be enough cover to try and stealth your way through there if you guys wanted to give it a try Seen then to be seen 
him. At the same time, I don't think it's a good idea since it seems more than one person out. I, I think I, I agree with that. I, I do have an es- a method of escape, though, if I do get caught. Then we can always charge in if need be. Yep. Okay, so uh, Fem is going up front, walking out along the branch, kind of stealthing, and then you guys are going to lie in wait and jump out if you have to. Okay. I'll um, also drink the invisibility potion. Okay. You drink the potion and start your way across, and the uh, crow is, or the raven is looking out over uh, kind of like where that table would be, kind of looking out over the area for more prey, uh, just kind of sitting there. You can see that the crystal orb that uh, they were talking about is about relatively 10 feet across and looks pretty heavy, but you should be able to roll it out of the nest without a whole lot of issue um, if, if you get more than one person on it. Uh, other than that, the raven is just kind of hanging out at the edge of the nest looking around. Uh, it's too bad we didn't send her with the bag of holding. It would be wide enough that you wouldn't be able to fit it into a bag of holding. It's 10 foot oh, across. Okay. Oh, okay. That is pretty big. Um, there's no way for me to push it over the edge with just me? You could give it a try. It would require a pretty decent athletics check because the nest kind of has a lip on it, so you'd have to get it over that that incline to drop it out. Um, otherwise, you can also try to break it uh, with attacking it. Uh, it looks to be fairly brittle, um, but you don't know how much impact it would take to uh, break. You know that probably as, as well. It, it'll break the spells. Yeah. So, what would you like to do? If I attack it, do I get sneak attack? <laughs> you, yeah, you could get sneak attack against it. Uh, I will give you that. Okay, I'm gonna do. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give it a push first and see if that works. I'll, I'll do it as carefully as I can. Okay, go ahead and give me an athletics check. That's 18. 18. Almost enough. You get it all the way to the edge of the nest and you start pushing it up, and it's just your arms are shaking and you have to let go. And it rolls back just a little bit. Not as far as where it once was, but um, fairly close. And the raven does not notice with a four. Okay. Alright, I'm going to... What's the range on this? Okay, awesome. So I'm going to back up, actually, along the branch. So I am 30 feet away from the raven, um, this orc. And I'm going to... (laughs) I'm going to prepare a shot at the um, actual orc itself. Okay, go ahead and make your attack roll. Uh, It only takes... uh, Well, uh, it does have an AC... Um, so go ahead and tell me what the attack roll would be. That is 23 to hit. Yes, that very easily hits this brittle orb. Go ahead and uh, give me the damage. It is vulnerable to force damage, so uh, double that. Ooh, okay, 22 and an extra force damage, so 24. 24 total points of damage. You see some very sizable cracks run along this orb, but... Um, it does not quite crack. So go ahead and everybody roll me initiative at that point. So the raven would have heard as that. Soon as it- mm-hmm. Yep, go ahead. Oh, yes, bonus action. Duh. Oh, uh, sorry, you were cutting out a little bit there, Lydia. What did you say? Raven needs to make a wisdom save. Oh, okay. 
Raven. Okay, uh, that was a seven. Okay, so I teleport back to the group, Rooster 30 feet, with my Misty Step, and the Raven completely forgets everything that happened in the last Okay, it kind of hops over to where the Raven, or to where the orb was, and it looks around and, and, and kind of nudges it with its head a little bit and then resumes its original spot. Hi. <laughs> um, well, hello. <laughs> How did it go? Well, it's rather damaged. A sizable crack. It's going to take a bit more to break. I couldn't push it over by myself. Yeah, and you would see that that crack, you're pretty sure that a, another similar shot would 100% split this in twain. Hey, Bob, how does it do... I was going to ask how it does against uh, strength saves. Uh, the orb? Yes. Uh, no idea without trying. It looks like a very brittle orb. Um, you're guessing that this is probably... Uh, a very large pearl or like a smaller marble-ish type thing, maybe maybe bigger than that, um, but not by a whole lot. It wouldn't be, it would be... Yes. Mm-hmm. I guess, I was going to say, I could use my fusion pulse, which is a cantrip that does force damage, but it actually has to target a creature. Yeah, it's this would not be considered a creature, though. No. I could take another shot from here, but as soon as I do it, the raven will be aware. Cool. Oh. Well, once the orb breaks, to go back to normal. That's very true. Yeah, Freya, w- Freya would say that once it's broken, all of this will be undone. Oh, well then. Any objections to me taking another? I would just say, uh, where are you exactly? Because you are still invisible. Yeah. No, it, my invisibility broke um, as soon as I took the shot. Uh... Okay, go ahead. I am. Um, yep. Yes, I, I use my action to shoot bonus action with this step. Okay, then go ahead and take another shot. Okay. Just, just in the off chance, uh, we might want to spread out a little bit because <laughs> if she does happen to break this thing and if the, if the spell fades and we all become oh, normal size and we're all in this one little branch. <laughs> <laughs> to spread out far enough to make a distance, you would have to start climbing back down because this branch is, well, in normal size, you would guess it would be about um, the size of your arm or so uh, around. Quick question, Bob. Mm-hmm. In not tiny people feet, how far above the ground are we? Uh, let's see, 600 feet, um, 5 foot equals uh, 1 inch, so you're... A ways above the ground, uh, you wouldn't take anything for fall damage because of the branches. This is a very, uh, very bushy tree. So uh, once you get back to normal size, you guys would be, have a slow enough fall to not take damage. I'm gonna get a little crazy and do one of those things that Indiana Jones would do, knowing that his companions can handle things up here. I'm gonna cast Feather Fall on myself as one of my relic hunter, uh, my, my seeker spells. And I'm going to run out of the branch and caca, caca, tookie, tookie, and leap off. Okay. Yes. I never what? used that reference around you. What? Caca, caca, tookie, tookie. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I will get the attention of the bird and just like swan dive off the back. Yes. The 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 raven immediately 
looks over at you and takes flight, completely emptying the nest and diving for you. Go ahead, Lydia. As as I'm fallen, I'm just like, break that thing before I hit the ground! Okay, Lydia, make your shot. So in slow motion, I let out a breath, let go, and I roll a 19. Okay, it very, very easily hits the uh, orb. Go ahead and roll me your damage, and it is vulnerable to force once again. Six, six, five, four, two dump doubles. It's number four, so that'd be 25. 25 points of damage. Roll me a luck check. 17. 17, yes, that is more than enough, even without your modifier. It shatters, splitting in half, falling to either side. The shards then split off of that, and it crumbles into nothing as all of you are immediately returned to your normal size. Uh, It's very uncomfortable as you're pushing each other out of the way and smacking branches, but you all land uh, in kind of a disheveled pile all kind of laughing to yourselves a little bit as it wasn't a, uh, a, a bad fall. It was just all happening at once. Um, you hear a shattering sound as um, you see a very intoxicated individual uh, uh, bursts out of where that bottle once was. You see the picnic basket explode into small pieces of, of wicker um, as all of these elves are also kind of all into a jumbled pile. And uh, uh, you all land with Freya somehow managing to land uh, separately and on her feet. She cackles to herself a little bit, uh, slightly crazy sounding, but uh, otherwise she brushes herself off and approaches the party. She pulls as out... I, mm-hmm. as, I, as I'm getting up and I dust myself off, I just say... Quote the raven, nevermore. <laughs> um, you, you also, you just hear like this pathetic little help as you look up in the tree and Shindy's still stuck up on one of the branches. Yes, yes, your cloak it's, it's is kind of cloak. Far from here, just let go. I let go. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, you guys are very easily able then to um, kind of get yourself collected. You notice that all of the elves are angrily marching up this direction and Freya very quickly pulls out leaves of silver that have been very artistically engraved with the letter D and she says uh, these can be redeemed for one favor uh, from the Doomstaff family as a thank you for uh, freeing me and she hands out one to everybody so she would have enough for everybody there and um, then she shouts at the crowd of angry elves approaching her she shouts back that any compensation could obviously be taken care of by Tristan who is the new owner of this orchard and she disappears in a poof of smoke I feel like with a name like Doomstaff right I mean that's like that's like you know, Goge Van Dyer. I mean, it just invokes menace. <laughs> we did not do this for her. Is anyone else just like wondering if their family isn't up to some shady business? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you would know that they reside in the Farsight Tower, so that is only where the most oh, elite yeah. of divination mages live. That, that pretty much clinches it for me. They are like 
super high on my suspicion list now. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, you are able to then um, regroup with the settler or with the uh, inhabitants of Silverleaf Village itself, and they treat you to a warm meal and a night's rest before you uh, head back to Port City. You would have been given 200 gold pieces each for your exploits. Upon reaching Port City itself, um, you are greeted, and uh, of course everybody wants to know the story, buying you drinks at the taverns if you decide to uh, tell your tale. If not, they leave you in peace and wonder as to what kind of crazy adventure you had. So I feel the adventure they imagined may very well be. I mean, our adventure was interesting, to say the least. But I always find that the Im- adventure you imagine is far more potent than the adventure you think they had. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay, we will go ahead and end this episode here. So that would have taken you two days to complete, so it is officially the 19th of planting uh, when we break here. And uh, you guys are 200 gold pieces richer. I am very, very satisfied with this very first episode of the Chaos Plan Game, guys. Thank you very, very much. Um, is there any last words you guys want to say before we all say goodbye? Be excellent to each other. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So thank you guys very, very much for this. Go ahead and everybody say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> thank you, guys. I'll see you all later. I'm going to stop the recording here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Chaos Plan. Now that we've got this first one recorded, we are already planning out what's going to happen from here on out. We have two or three different groups already kind of sorting themselves out, so hopefully we will be hearing more from them soon. We are also recording a couple new introductory episodes that will be up very soon. If you are interested in joining, please do, because we have enough people now and enough time that we're able to record pretty much whenever everybody is able to get together. And we are currently shaping the lore of the world, so as we continue to do this, you will see the world change and grow a little bit with it. So thank you once again for listening to this first episode. I am so glad you decided to join us. And if you would like to take part, just visit our Patreon account at patreon.com slash adventuringguild.